here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I am Rich Cranch alongside, as always. Leader of the hardcore wrestling intelligentsia and a good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? You know, it's usually I, I watched four major pro wrestling shows this week, and we're going to talk about all four of them. And I didn't like any of them. I didn't. <laughs> it was a bad week. We'll talk about it. Yeah. I didn't like any of the four shows. And normally that would make for a really good show because you're going to get some passionate rants, right? You're going to get some anger. You're going to get some passion. You're going to get, you know, because a lot of times it's a lot easier to talk about things that are bad and bang on things that stink than it is to praise things that are good. Um, It is easier to do that, which is why, you know, which is one theory why, you know, social media and Twitter is, 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 is largely negative a lot of the time. Because I think it's just easier to spit out negative takes than and it's more fun to be negative sometimes uh, than it is to to just spit out positive takes. And with what we do, I think it's easier for us to be passionate and 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 uh, and and be fiery when something's bad and you can pick on it. Now I think this particular show has really good balance because when we really love something, I think that comes across too. And honestly, I think for all the attention we get sometimes for our rants and and all the silly shit that we say when something sucks. I think what people like most about this show is that we're passionate about the stuff we like. I really think that's more of a hook. Um, but, but this week, there's four bad shows that I watched or shows that I didn't enjoy. I don't really have hot... Now, listen, I'm going to kill the next three hours for everybody. I don't... <laughs> yeah, jeez. Way to, way, to get a, way to really sell the rest of the... I, I don't really yeah, have hot, fiery, ranty takes on this <laughs> stuff because... What I watched was a bunch of mediocre wrestling that didn't move my needle in any discernible way. I'm not angry about it. I didn't think any of it. I think I watched four shows, and I think I liked like two. I think I really liked like two of the matches I saw on these four shows. And the rest of it wasn't necessarily bad wrestling. It was just wrestling that existed. It was wrestling that happened. And it's like, you know, I, I don't expect... You never know what happens. It's not too hard to set me off. 
but I don't really expect to go on crazy rants about this stuff because I really, not a lot of these matches weren't awful. I wish some of them were so I could have a better jump point. But it's just, God, this was just four shows of mediocrity. And there's nothing harder to talk about for three hours than mediocrity. Yeah, it's it's going to be tricky because obviously I, I was I was away last week and and thankfully you did a great job filling in. Of course, you're doing a solo show. Oh, but, like um, you listened, yeah, I, you. Oh, I didn't listen. Yeah. yeah, no, of course. I heard you were. I heard your uh, your your uh, heard good things about your family rants at the end, though. Not rants. I don't know. What I called it a rant. It definitely wasn't a rant. Your your discussion about being a stepfather. I heard uh, great things about that. I haven't listened to it yet because you know. I've been watching bad wrestling, and, that, and that, what I was going to say though is, you know, I get off the plane. It's it's Sunday at like you know midnight or whatever is when I get off. I finally get off the plane, and and pretty much from that point forward, any free time I had, I said, okay, well, I had to watch Hell in the Cell. We had two destruction shows. There was some other stuff. The CML anniversary show came up, and one by one, I'm watching this stuff in in, in very weird orders, and nothing is hooking me. And it's like this horrible thing. And we're going to talk about it here in a little bit. Where, as you said, nothing that was truly awful. Like I'm not going to come on here. There, there's some stuff in Hell in a Cell that I, I think I'll be able to rant about, and maybe I'll get you fired up on. Uh, there's one match in the Destruction shows that I, I'll, I'll get a little fired up on and whatnot. But yeah, a lot of it was just kind of mediocre, and it was weird because then I was trying to find the next thing in uh, okay. Well, the, the, the Hell in a Cell didn't work for me. The Destruction Shows didn't work for me. I'm going to move on to something else. So I found MLW. They had their war games. Of course, I haven't watched that. Then that stunk. And I was like, oh, come on. Like, Joe, I had to go to Wrestle Fucking 1 to find something I found passion in. I had to go to Wrestle 1 to find matches and moments and stories that I was involved in and invested in. And it was great. I watched that right before we went on the show here because I was really worried that, like you, I was going to come on the show and just be like, yeah, all right, well, all right, we can talk about Hell in a Cell, but who fucking cares? You know what I mean? Like, I, I honestly thought, Joe, we could get through Hell in a Cell in 20 minutes because I don't know that I have that much to say about it. And I thought we could also probably get through the destructions in 20 minutes or whatnot because I had not, you know, not a ton to say about it. But I think watching Wrestle 1, for whatever fucking reason, Wrestle 1 being the one, was like the last vestige this week of me to find wrestling that I was passionate about. And that's not, I don't know why it was this week in particular. It just seemed to be the confluence of a lot of shows that you said weren't truly bad enough to come on here and, and, and have, you know, one-hour, hilarious, you know, we're crying, laughing so hard, uh, burying it type things, but a lot of just mediocrity, just a lot of shows that existed, and when they were done, you clicked that X, and you said, I will never remember the show ever again, I will never remember that match ever again in my entire life, but uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, an interesting one here, but we do have some news, uh, as along with those uh, reviews, some fun news, some uh, exciting news around the wrestling world, um, but yeah, we had all that coming up, uh, one quick aside, I just wanted to tell you, uh, I hadn't told you this, uh, but on my plane ride home from Denver, I had one of these weird moments where, you know, this show almost got me in a ton of trouble. So we, we get on the plane and, and we're, we're kind of late to board and we have to sit next to a guy. It, it's one of these things where, you know, there weren't any open seats left. There wasn't any open rows left. So, you know, Michelle and I had to sit next to a guy. So we essentially, we sit in the row and he's, you know, he seems nice. I go, Hey, how's it going? Yeah. He goes, Hey, what's up? He's looking at his phone. He doesn't really care to, to, to interact with us or do anything. Uh, so the plane starts moving and I look over, I'm doing the thing, you know, where you and I'm sure you've done this too, Joe, where you look at the person's phone next to you, right? You kind of want to see what they're looking at. You don't stare, but you can't help but notice what they're scrolling at a little bit, right? Are you, are, am I the only weirdo that does let, that? Or let me do you tell you do it as well? If you're not trying to look at every phone within eyeshot on an airplane or an <laughs> Thank airport, you. Okay. every iPad, every phone, I want to catch people doing embarrassing things. I want to see someone Thank sending you. or receiving nudes. I want to see someone watching a really bad movie so I can elbow the person I'm with and I can be like, hey, look, they're watching Carrot Top, chairman of the board, on their iPad, you know, and make fun of them. I want to see what people are doing on their phones and their iPads. Rich, I don't blame you at all. I, I, you know, in that situation, I think it's perfectly acceptable to be a voyeur. 
Okay, thank you, thank you. Where did you get the carrot top? What was it, Chairman of the Board? Have you watched that recently? No, or where, that was where, a... Where'd you pull that movie from? All right, that was a terrible carrot top movie made in like 1998, I'm going to say, or something like that, starring Carrot okay. Top and Courtney Thorne Smith. <laughs> I, I got that it was starring Carrot Top. Yes, Thanks, and, Joe. well, you I, never I know. I didn't know. And, Cor- and Courtney Thorne Smith, <laughs> who later starred on the, the awful uh, sitcom According to Jim, with Jim Belushi. Which which somehow oh, lasted God. like eight seasons. Horrid. I don't know how, but uh, but oh. yeah, that just is my go to awful movie reference that I've been using for the last twenty years. Is Carrot Top's uh, Chairman of the Board? I should probably update the reference. I have this friend who, whenever like his go to reference, like he always says that okay, this is his go to for like if if someone's talking about like a woman or whatever, he goes, yeah, she's all right, but she's no Christy Brinkley. Because <laughs> Jeez, yeah, you really his gotta... go-to reference is a model that peaked in like you know 1987. So, like, yeah, right. Like, I I never was alive when Christine Brinkley was like hot. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, you know, she obviously still attractive, but never like I was never alive for any moment of her like peak. And you know? every time I'm like, dude, can you please update the reference, Christine Brinkley? Yeah, that'd be like me dropping Sydney Margolis on people. Like, you know, eight year olds. Oh wow, she's no Sydney Margolis. And they're like, who the fuck is Sydney Margolis? Like, yeah, yeah, and, and I'm like, please. You, gonna start saying this and people aren't even gonna know who it is i mean you know she hasn't been in a new i'm like he's like all right well what about pam anderson i'm like that's just another decade but you're still 15 years behind you you gotta update this thing so they're just bad dated references and my bad dated reference that i always my go-to for a bad movie is chairman of the board starring carrot top so there you go okay help me update it then maybe the listeners can come up with a better more timely bad movie reference than chairman of the board starring Carrot Top. So that... Yeah, please do that. At Voices Wrestling on Twitter. or Help Joe update his reference. But anyway, yes, I... Right, because yeah, I don't watch enough movies. I don't watch... I don't. I just watch wrestling, so I don't watch any movies. People always ask me, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen... No, I, I watch... I'm watching fucking Destruction and Hiroma shit. <laughs> you know, I can't... I don't have time for fucking movies. I'm watching goddamn Hell in a Cell for four hours. So no, I don't have time for your movies. That's why it sucks. Like, people are always like, oh, did you see that? No, I see like one movie a year, Tops. <laughs> like... Yeah. But it's, it's got to be a truly horrendous movie. Don't come at me with, you know, some... I'm talking less than 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is what I need, and I need it to have taken place, you know, some point in, in the last decade, so I can stop saying Chairman of the Board starring Carrot Top. But, Rich, I approve of your voyeurism. Continue on with your story. Okay. So I so as the flight's going on a little bit, we hadn't yet departed. We were still kind of in, you know, the, you know waiting to, to, to take off. And I look at his phone, and I, I couldn't help but notice what appeared to be a wrestling gif show up on, on his phone as he's scrolling through through uh, what I thought was Twitter at first. I look over, Joe, this man is on the Wrestling Observer website, looking at re- results for the pre-show of Hell in a Cell. And this is why you're a voyeur on the plane, for, for situations yes. like this. Yes, so I see it, and I'm like, okay, well, that's interesting, because now I can if I wanted to discuss this wrestling with this guy, like this is a fit. And it's not just like he's on, you know, cause, cause this is a different story. If he's on name, your random newsy website, if he's on wrestling Inc or whatever, yeah, you know, whatever, you know, he's just a, a guy that likes wrestling. I'm not going to talk to him about wrestling because I don't really want to take it. That's not the guess wrestling Inc, but you know what I mean? Like, or, or, or whatever you name, any sort of random kind of newsy site. Anybody Raja. goes on to those ones, but the fact that he was Raja. Yeah. If he's on Raja, I'm like, I'm going to probably let it go. Uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. He's just a guy that likes wrestling. No problem. He's on WWE.com or whatever. I'm for sure letting it go and just, you know, just ig- ignoring him. But I thought it was different that he was on wrestling observer. I was like, okay, well, you know, you don't necessarily, I, I feel like that's more of the hardcore base is, is, is looking at the results on wrestling observer figure four. 
So I was like, okay, this isn't just your fly-by-night wrestling fan. This is a dude who's who's actually pretty interested. And it was the night of Hell in a Cell, of course, going on. You know, when we were taking off is when they were just kind of, the show was just getting getting started. So I'm about to have this weird thing of, hey, do I talk to this guy about wrestling? Like, God forbid Michelle has to sit next to two people talking about wrestling, let alone just living with me. So I'm wondering, okay, well, I'll let her by. Maybe I won't talk about wrestling initially. Maybe he was just doing it quickly. He kept scrolling, kept scrolling. He was just on Wrestling Observer. I see him go onto the board. He's, like, hanging around on the board and stuff. Like, th- we, this guy might listen to the show. So if you're listening to the show, hello. Um, but here's this weird thing where he's doing it. He's, he's looking at the results. He's, 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 he's scrolling. He's doing all this sort of stuff. And I'm like, hey, you know, I should talk about this guy. I should say, hey, you know, you kind of hit him on the shoulder. Hey, you know, Ellen the Cell, hey, wrestling, whatever. I, I do kind of a quick look over to his phone again. And, and somebody had sent him a message again. And the name on the phone was Mike, was the guy's name. So the guy sitting next to us was Mike was his name. So I know it's Mike and I know he's a wrestling fan. That's all I know about Mike so far. I do kind of, I hadn't looked at him when we sat down. I do kind of a quick little look over and Joe, I'm not kidding. I spent the next two hours and 15 minutes thinking this was Mike Quackenbush sitting next to me. He looked identical to Mike Quackenbush. Well, and I, you you didn't, you didn't have the guts to say something or no? No, (laughs) because if it was, I did not want to be on a two and a half hour flight sitting next to Mike Quackenbush, who obviously if I said, hey, you know, I'm rich oh, or whatever, you can't or say I voices. thought Michelle yeah. wasn't going to know. Michelle doesn't know Mike Quackenbush, so she might say, oh, you know, he, he runs a website. or oh, voice. I did not want him to recognize my voice. Right. I didn't want him to know I was from Voices Wrestling because that is a very weird two-hour flight with what I assumed might have been Mike Quackenbush because right. all I knew is his name was Mike, yeah. that he was a wrestling fan. He had the same glasses, the same haircut. Everything looked – he had kind of the, the, the 5 o'clock shadow that Mike Quackenbush had. I was convinced, oh, my God, I'm next to Mike Quackenbush. I think flight. if you thought it was Quackenbush, it probably was, because I think once you realized, hey, that kind of looks like Quack, you, you would have recognized him at that point. You've seen enough of him to know what he looks like. It, I, yeah, yeah. And well, then I had like a – because, again, like we were sitting like next to him, so I couldn't really – and he was like looking down the entire yeah. time. At one point, he had, he had like fallen asleep, so I didn't get like a, a dead-on view of him at all. And we were in like the second-to-last row, so there's nowhere I could have gone – where I would have been able to get a better view of him. So I saw one side of his face pretty much the entire time. And I was too chicken to, like, knock him on the shoulder and say, hey, you know, what's up? Or, you know, and, and he was at the row. He was on the row. So it's like, even when we got our drinks, I couldn't do the, oh, hey, here's your drink. You know, the hand him the pretzels or hand him the drink. I couldn't even do that. So thankfully, though, I will tell you this, and it's the reason why I, I specified that I spent two hours and 15 minutes of a two-hour-and-a-half flight, is at one point I saw him open his phone, and it was Mike... Some random name. It was some... It wasn't, oh, it what a wasn't, false finish here. Unbelievable. You I'm know. sorry. It wasn't Mike Quackenbush. It was Mike Thomas. Or I, I forget what the exact name was. But it was so... It was this weird two hours and 15 minutes where I was like... And Michelle would say something and I was kind of like... I would like whisper back. Because I know, you know, Quack's... He's a strange fella. He knows us. He listens to the show. You know what I mean? Like, he, people have recognized my voice before. He is aware... My, I, he is I feel a, like Lightning Mike Quackenbush would listen... And hear my voice and go, ah, I know this guy, or I recognize this voice. Something would, would pique his interest in some way, shape, or form, correct? He's aware of us for sure. Um, he is not a fan of Joe Lanza, that's certain. And yeah, there's a, there's a decent chance he knows who you are, by name at least. But, uh, but that doesn't matter because you were sitting next to, you know, uh, you know, you were sitting next to Mike Miller. Uh, accountant, accountant <laughs> right. from Pittsburgh, <laughs> right? Who lives in Chicago so, and he was just calling his wife when he landed and and stuff. So yeah, it, it, I'm sorry for the false finish there, but uh, it was it was an interesting two hours and fifteen minutes. Whereas I debated uh, ever so much if I should 
ask if he's actually my you know opening up a wrestling conversation even with a figure four slash observer reader is dangerous because it you could end up in a conversation that you do not want to be in um so i don't and that that was my worry as well is because then you can't you're on a plane you can't avoid it if this guy wants to talk wrestling the rest of the day you're stuck with it like you can't just say all right, well, I'm just going to go like play games or whatever. <laughs> like, because he's probably, you know, and I would be that way too if someone started talking to me. I'd probably want to talk wrestling. But if we're not on the same wavelength, it could be very awkward and very. Yeah, weird. and what if he's like a and, big and fan stuff. of like Baron Corbin and you have to pretend that you're not thinking he's a fucking knob, you know? I called him a knob <laughs> because um, Will Ospreay called me a knob. So now I'm calling everybody a knob. <laughs> did he call you a knob or did Chris Brooks call you a knob? No, 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 not Chris Brooks. Will Ospreay called me a knob. For um, bashing a CCK match, that's why you're thinking yes. Chris oh, okay, Brooks. Okay. Um, but uh, but I did meet Chris Brooks. It was a very nervous introduction from uh, from our pal Allen because he was. I guess he, you know, who knows? Maybe Chris Brooks has it out for me. I don't know. But um, I, I was not introduced. I was simply introduced as Joe. With no last yeah, name. Yeah, I, I think you told the story about. Oh, I did on this show. This yeah. is my. Yeah, this is my friend. Joe. Yeah, no Joe Lanza. <laughs> like not Joe like, Lanza. Everyone yeah. else. Hey, this is Joe Lanza from Voices of Wrestling. You may have heard of it. Hey, this is Joe Lanza. Chris Brooks came over. Oh, this is Joe. And you know, so I was like, "Hi, Chris. Nice to meet you." Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, it's a. Chris? But uh, but yeah, that that's why because Willow Spray is mad at me because. Oh, I, speaking of which, I'm glad Willow Spray came up. I do have to say this, and I want to say it early in the show when people are actually listening. Um, last week I talked about Willow Spray, you know, uh, maybe or maybe not being a uh, being a bit of a worker trying to get his mom a car, right? Uh, you weren't here for that. I followed the story though, and that was uh, yeah, it was interesting to say the least. I have to so, issue yeah. a slight correction there. Okay, he did not post the GoFundMe, and it's not even a GoFundMe; it's some. Variant of some other similar stuff, but that's not neither here nor there. He did not post the GoFundMe. Apparently, um, the it was set up by friends of his mother after her car was stolen. Willow Spray got a hold of it of, of it, and, and and then decided to, I guess, um, you know, shoot it out to his followers. Um, but he's not the one who set it up, so I did misspeak there. I don't know if that changes anyone's opinions, no matter where they stood on this story or not. But he didn't set up the the GoFundMe; her friends did, and then he caught wind of it and gave it the old signal boost, Rich. So right, okay, okay, that makes sense because yeah, everything that I read that that he had set it up as, as sort of a hey, help my help my mom get a car, and <laughs> I flat out uh, said yeah. that, which and it was yeah. so I I gotta be fair, and. I have to correct it. Now, I didn't really flat out bury him for the GoFundMe deal. I think it's a little... Look, and this is why I really wanted you last week on the show because I then got into... I'm not surprised at all, first of all, that a pro wrestler may not be good with their money. I mean, give me a break. Oh, God, And then I I related it to... Because everyone's kind of shocked. Why didn't he just give her the two grand, you know? But then I related it to, like, you know, how many stories have we seen of pro athletes, especially NBA players, who are just horrendous with money, and I talked about Antoine Walker, and I know that you'd be intimately familiar with all of them. Uh, oh, of course. Yeah, Lamar Odom's another yeah. famous one as well. He just has buddies running, you know, web companies that he has no idea about that he's paying, you know, $2 million to a year. These guys have no idea. They get investments that they have no clue about. They're helping friends. It's like, yeah, it, it, it happens all the time. And, and poor wrestlers, Jesus Christ, like, 
hang out at a bar with pro wrestlers after a show. You'll see them drop it. You're like, dude, I know you didn't make more than forty dollars on the show, and you've already spent sixty in drinks. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you go home, put that money in a fucking envelope, and go to sleep. Like, what are you doing? And in like, all serious, I know you didn't make that much on the money on the show. I know for a fact. Aside from the party atmosphere, it, it's also you know, in all seriousness, people who grow up working class, lower middle class, middle class, they may not know how to handle money. It's just not a skill that they were taught. It's not a skill that they're, you know, so, it's, and with wrestling, you don't even need to look to other sports. Look at Ric Flair. The guy made millions in his yeah. career, oh, and yeah, he has yeah. nothing. I mean, he's still hand him out. Yeah, he's hand him out. I mean, the second you give him $200, he's already spent 199 of it right, in, in, in seconds. And, and that's, you know, I, and, and I know you watch Hard Knocks on HBO, but this year uh, they had the Cleveland Browns, and they had, like, a seminar. I forget what it was. I think it was the defensive lineman or something like that. And they had one of the guys say, like, you know, put this money in a bank account. Like, yeah, you know that, you know, you only made, you know, 500000 this year, but, you know, that, if you just in a normal bank account, will grow this, this, and this. And these guys were like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, we, we sort of take for granted because where we come, you know, I have had a savings account since I was 10 or whatever, and I'm not flush with cash, but I've been, you know, able to do that. There are a lot of people that grow up not even either a knowing about banks or trusting banks or anything like that where, where you have this conversation where this one guy is saying, hey, look, you don't have to do anything with your money. Just take the money that you get from a check and put it in the bank. And these guys are like, Oh, okay. Like, don't cash it. They're like, no, put it in the bank, and and they're being honest. They're it's in earnest that they're saying, oh, put it in a bank. Like to them, it's just, oh, I get this game check. Let me go cash it, and then I can hold on to the money. I can put it in a drawer. I can do this, this, or this with it. But the idea of giving it to a bank is is foreign to them, and and that's not necessarily strictly educational or anything like that, or or, or socioeconomical. But some people are just that way, and and yeah, I have no doubt in my mind that Will Osprey would. Would you know likely be someone that that might not be good with money? It doesn't. It wouldn't yeah. surprise you if he's someone who's bad with money. Yeah, yeah. Which, right, right. which, un, which, un, which again, unless he's being carny, he clearly is. Because if he doesn't have two grand to give his mother, he's not good with his money. Because we all know he's making decent money. Um, but you know, I'm not trying to repeat the same segment from last week. But it's just interesting that that would have been a good segment for you to be around for. Because I knew you'd have decent insight. Look, it's just not everyone has money management skills. I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, and I think that's something that's undertaught. I mean, I think we should teach that kind of stuff in school. And it, oh, yeah, we it's don't not something we teach, it's at least ridiculous. in this country. It's not something I was ever taught in school. It's not, it's kind of thing where the people around you have to teach you that. You have to have parents who teach you that. You have to have, uh, you know, if you're bad, look, we've all had um, girlfriends, boyfriends, spouses who just one person's usually stronger with the money management. I don't think that's unusual at all to have one person to, okay. Um, this person takes all of the money and handles all of the bills because the other person is just completely inept and cannot handle that task. <laughs> I mean, in every relationship, there's usually one person who's better at that, who handles all of that, and the other person doesn't. It's just some yeah. people don't have that skill. Joe, let's just take a wild guess in my situation who is the uh, the one that takes all the money and I'm guessing you handle that. Try to guess. Uh, you're correct. <laughs> That's very, you creak very open that wallet with the WD-40 and you get the checkbook out. <laughs> And, uh, see you, okay. You say I'm cheap and then you also make fun of my vacation. Like it can't be both. Can it? I can't be this luscious, like, like vast, you know, vacationer. And then also a cheap ass. Can I, you know, you present an interesting dichotomy here, <laughs> but I think you're, maybe I am. Maybe I am the guy that only spends for like, you know, lush vacations. I think and, that's and what it is. You're I'm, so I'm, cheap you know. that you acquire, you, you stockpile all this money and then you spend it all. Again, on these, you, you take vacations like every six weeks. So um, if you average it out, it's like every six weeks. Okay, we spent a lot of time in the Voice of Wrestling offices when you were away this time in Denver. Uh, and you visited, like, you visited every major city in the United States. You've been 
to, uh, I think, what are you up to? 73 countries? Is it 73 different countries that you've been to? So it's like, uh, three, I believe, but yeah, I mean, you know, and we, I flew over a few more if you want. We averaged it out and you you take vacations and you don't even call them vacations anymore. You call them like weekend trips. You just take, (laughs) you take (laughs) jaunts to these exotic locales and you're back in three days. And that's more than, 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 than most hardworking people get to do once every two years. You're out every six weeks taking vacations. So, you know, I believe it. Like, you know, you're, you're, listen, these are the sacrifices you make when you buy the store brand green beans, you know, and when, you know, you're just uh, frugal in other ways, you know, you're taking vacations every six weeks. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how often that you take vacation. It's great. How do you even get the time from your job? It's, it's incredible. Like, uh, this year I discovered that I had more time than I thought. That's actually why, because n- normally I don't. And, and, you know, it's, it's kind of the, I only get like two weeks normally and I just never, ever get sick and I never take sick time. I just go into work sick as hell until they tell me to go home, which is a pretty good strategy if you uh, don't want to use PTO uh, on sick times. And then, yeah, I really like, you, you know, other, <laughs> aside, this year I agree has been a little much because we did California and then I had to go to, you know, Buffalo for a wedding. So we decided to go to Toronto. Uh, and then Denver. So I, I admit it that this year was was quite a while. But uh, yeah, so what ended up happening is maybe a few weeks ago, um, before this Denver thing, even I had the idea of uh, of going there, uh, my boss comes up to me and says, hey, you're going to ever take any of your PTO days? And I was like, yeah, I only have like two days left. And he goes, no, you have like seven days left. And I said, no, I have two days. And he goes, no, you have seven. And we went in this argument for a little while. And he was like, look, I told you you have seven days. Do you want to take seven days or not? So I was like, oh, okay. Apparently I didn't gifted an extra like week that I did not know about uh, for PTO time. So I had this bonus uh, PTO time, but now, uh, pretty much all, all used up now. So that's, that's the last thing you need, but gu- okay. So gun to your head and then we'll move on. Willow spray, Carney, or a little bit of Ric Flair, Antoine Walker. In it? Uh, probably more of the Ric Flair, Antoine Walker, but a little bit of from both categories. If that makes, is that okay? Could I say both? Like, I feel like he's probably more of the Ric Flair, Antoine Walker, but also kind of a Carney too. Does that is that fine? Because and we've talked about this a long time. We actually it it, it kind of works within his wrestling context as well. It's because he's kind of just like a big dumb idiot. Like he's great at wrestling, but he's kind of a fool. Like he's kind of just a stupid kid. And Jeez. you know we take and that he, for granted a little bit. He hates bit. me. He should hate you. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, come on. I'm fine. I was stupid when I was his age too. Like you know, he's tremendous at what he does, but he's kind of okay. Know, I think like, Lolo Spray. I think he's. I think he always has his heart in the right place. I think he's well intended. But I don't. I yes. don't think he thinks things through. That's how I would. No. Um, right. I think he takes people at his word a little bit too much. He's he's twenty five. Like he's still he's twenty five, and he still thinks that like people are good. <laughs> like he hasn't. The world hasn't dragged him down all the way yet. And that's that's when you really become you know that extra level is when you just have yeah. no. You're you're not good intentioned. You're not because I don't think. I guess when you say good intention, I agree with that too. I don't think he straight up said, ha ha, I'm going to make these stupid fans pay for my mom's car. I think he just said, oh, they're doing a, a GoFundMe for my mom's car. That'd be cool if they, you know, people paid exactly. for it. Like, I, it was that sort of not ha ha, you know, as he's stroking his cat and laughing in his, you know, with his burlap sack with the dollar sign on it. I think more of just like, oh, cool. People want to pay for my mom's car. Like, that'd yeah, be I don't think it was done with any kind of malice or any sort of, well, uh, you know, I'm going to let the marks handle this um, instead of digging into my own pockets. I don't think there was – I think it was just – he th- saw it as doing a good thing. 
and um didn't yeah, yeah. it's like it's like with his companies you know with lucha forever or whatever the hell the yeah. new one is like it, they're just kind of you know thrown together like i know he's trying to be good but they're just like these weird companies that don't quite make sense and i, I don't think he you know, ever canceled sometimes yeah and i don't think and, like you know, i don't think like, he ever thinks about how people are going to take things negatively that he says and does no and and, and he just doesn't think about that Right, which I, I admire because I constantly, all that I care about is what people think about me, and that's a terrible trait as well. So I appreciate and I kind of admire what he's able to do, where he just kind of goes through life uh, without a care in the world sometimes, which is, you know, it, it's admirable. He, he could have looked at that GoFundMe and said to himself, oh, if I, I've got a lot of followers, i got fans, they'll probably help my mom here. And he never once thought to himself, mm, but on the other side of the coin, people are going to think I'm being a bit of a carny. He never considered that. I don't think he ever thought about that. I think he just said, fuck it, and he put it out there. And his mom got the money into him. Everybody wins. And honestly, what the, what's the big deal? I mean, I'm glad the woman got the car, too. I mean, you know, what's the big deal here? You know, yeah, it's, just don't pay for it. I mean, no, people don't have to pay for it. <laughs> like, it's not like the gun to their head. Like, you know, Will Ospreay is not going to wrestle unless you, I mean, you don't have to. I mean, yeah, people did it because they wanted to, they, whether it was with malice or not. Like, I'm sure as shit not going to donate to for Will Ospreay's mom to get a car, but... If people want to, I don't really give a shit what people do with their money. I, I, I you know? saw this more. I mean, people wanted to turn this into some giant thing about ah, either wrestlers not making any money or Willow Spray being a carny. Or this, this, to me, I just slapped my head and said, "Oh, Dad, it's such a he didn't think this through very well." And um, I'm glad the woman got her money. I mean, obviously she was gonna hit hey, it absolutely. once she once he put it out there. But anyway. All right, now I guess we've got to talk about these mediocre-ass shows. Uh, which mediocre-ass show should we start with, Joe? Because there are quite a few. We could have discussed this before the show, but we did not. So. Nah, <laughs> which, where do there's you no go? need to discuss things before the show. We just got to come on here and wing it. That has been the formula for success for uh, since 2012. Um, I, let's just start with Hell in a Cell. I think that... Uh, would you... Well, we got to start with Hell in a Cell. I think the anniversary show is the biggest show of the four. Um... But in terms of, I think, when you weigh what people want to listen to, what are we doing here? Just start with Hell in a Cell. No one, no, <laughs> no one cares about these running thoughts in my head of why. Just Let's just start with Hell in a Cell. All right, let's get it. Hell in a Cell, of course, from uh, Sunday. Uh, Joe, your overall thoughts of the show. We'll talk about, I think, the main event first and kind of work our way uh, backwards. I think that's probably the best way to do it. But uh, overall, what do you think in the uh, Observer This Week, Wrestling Observer This Week, uh, you almost not unanimous, but a very overwhelming thumbs up for this. Uh, I was following a little bit on Twitter when we did land, and a lot of people said, "Oh, that was the best WWE pay per view this year." And you know, there's some great stuff in there. You know, this is the best Hell in a Cell match I've seen for a while. So I came in with pretty high expectations, and and you know, I'd I'd heard that our reviewers were kind of negative on it, and people sort of looked at them and said, "Oh, it's Voices Wrestling," you know, being negative again. Man, this show is over, and. Joe, I I have a different TV, a a different WWE network, or I am just so completely disconnected from WWE because I thought this was just a show. It was fine. It was okay. But the second that that marker hit the end of the show, I closed out a WWE network on my computer, and I never will ever, other than this show, I'm going to talk about it again here, I will never think of this show ever again. I had nothing strong, nothing big that really touched me on the show. I'm, I I don't know. Am I out to lunch here on this being the best WWE pay-per-view of the year with this with the great matches and great Hell in a Cells and a match of the year contender or whatnot? I was I was amazed when I saw the feedback. And then when I saw in the Observer, like, mostly thumbs up. Dave gave great ratings to everything. I don't know what the hell I was watching. It, it must be us. It must be me watching these shows and not the content of them. I, I don't know. This was definitely a weird one uh, for me. Well, 
there was nothing bad on this show. Um, it well. was it was a <laughs> it was a weird show in that I'm watching it, and I even tweeted this out as I was watching it. But I tweeted something to the effect of, um, "I'm watching this show. There's no bad wrestling on this show that I'm watching, but I feel nothing. I I, I and I mm-hmm. and I and I'm not enjoying myself, and I keep checking." the clock, the timer to see when it's over and I want it to be over and I wanted to be doing anything with my life right now, rather than watching this show because it's so boring because I just don't care about anything that they do on this main roster anymore. And, you know, it's like, I'd almost rather have bad wrestling that I could have fun with and make fun of and, and shit on than have all of this perfectly acceptable wrestling with absolutely no meaning behind it. I just didn't care about anything on the show. And I think what's happening is we're reaching a point where, and we were a little ahead of the curve on this. We started talking about this maybe over a year ago where we were saying the booking and the stories are so bad in this company, but they don't, it doesn't mean anything. There's no consequence to how bad the main roster is because, you know, their, their, their business is built in a non-traditional way. We've been banging on that for a year. And I think it's finally coming to pass where with us, where because we know what we're watching has no consequence. The stories don't mean anything. The directions are pointless because they could just change on a dime. They never give satisfying conclusions to anything. It's we can't invest in it because that's what we like about wrestling. And if there's nothing to sink our teeth into or invest in, it really just comes down to that point to the wrestling in a vacuum. And I didn't think any of these matches were great. So that didn't make up for the lack of connection I have to any of it. And it was just four hours of wrestling that I couldn't wait to be over. I, 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 um, it's going to be hard moving forward to, to watch this, these pay-per-views because rich, I don't, I don't care about a single person on the main roster. I don't care about any of a single person's story, their climb, their 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 push. Their I do, I just I feel nothing for any of these characters. And if this were just a a TV show, you'd stop watching it. If this were just another wrestling promotion, you know, you'd stop paying attention to it. But you know, we have a job to do and I've stopped watching Raw and SmackDown, but we've got to watch these pay-per-views. And yeah. And I'm not saying it's breaking rocks or, or you should feel bad, but or, but you can't just say, well, you guys should just stop watching. We can't. It's WWE. Yeah, that always comes up. That always comes up, and it's like, we, we, I mean, are, are the, the shows that do the best numbers are usually WWE-related and whatnot. They're, they're big-time New Japan shows, and they're WWE-related. I mean, that is the two things that, it, that this show has, has largely been on, and we can't just immediately... Because if it was up to me, I would I would probably be done. I would probably pick and choose these shows and, and every month or so see if there's a good match and we'll talk about it and whatnot. But I have so much other wrestling I'd rather watch than WWE, but we just, unfortunately, we can't. I don't think that we could get away with it and still be sustainable the way we are. I mean, it is it is the biggest wrestling company, and we're a wrestling podcast. Yeah. And that's like, you, you kind of have to, and we've done it. We don't talk about Raw. I don't watch Raw. We don't talk about SmackDown. I don't watch SmackDown. I watch, you know, YouTube clips to kind of catch up on stuff. We don't watch those anymore. We don't watch the weekly main roster TV shows. We still watch 205 Live. We still watch NXT. We still catch up on that. But all we have left really is the pay-per-views, and, and we cannot let those go. Like, that, we cannot 
in good conscience, just completely not. I mean, maybe maybe it does come a time where we maybe do skip uh, one or two, but I don't. I just don't think we could ever do that. I think we, we can't do uh, the show we the do show. and ignore these shows. Right. Exactly. It, it, that's just a, that's a simple way to sum it up. We can't do the show we do and ignore these shows. It, it, you know, it, it, on top of being a bad business decision, it'd be bad for our listeners. I think, even though we don't like them, I think people still want to hear us talk about them and give our opinions on them. So, you know, we can't stop doing them. But I think to answer your question that I never answered, I think that this show is generally getting positive reviews because there was nothing horrible on it. Most of the wrestling was good. And I do think it was probably one of the better pay-per-views this year, but their pay-per-views have been fucking horrible this year. Right, so so I'm not going to throw roses because they didn't step on their dicks for three hours. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's kind of what... And I'll be honest, like, there was a lot of stuff in this, this show that I'm going to criticize a lot because I think the finishes were atrocious on this show. Even if the wrestling was okay, the finishes, I thought, across the board, given how many agents they have, given how many people are involved in these things, we had three of the same finishers, two cop-out finishes, stuff that just did not make sense in canon whatsoever, just shit like that. But again, and ultimately, at the end of the day, you can get upset and you can get mad, but it doesn't fucking matter. They chug on. The next day, everything kind of resets and goes right back to where it was before with no care in the world of what happened the night prior or what happened the week prior or what happened, you know. It doesn't matter. Hours later. Hours later does not matter. Seconds later don't matter. No, because there's no... It's over and it's in the past. Because there's no consequence. Raw just did their, what, what was it, their sixth lowest rating ever and and their lowest rating since June? doesn't matter. They just got a billion dollars for it. So if there's no consequence, why would it ever improve? You know, it's just, they're lucky that networks need content. They, you know, and, 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 you know, we've talked about that ad nauseum. It doesn't fucking matter that they're siphoning viewers and, 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 and how shows aren't doing well. And I'm tired of this bullshit, nonsensical, not rooted in fact of any form whatsoever that the fans, the live fans who constantly shit on what this company does, how many times are they going to have to, how many times are they going to present something that live crowds shit on? Whether it's yeah, we're at we're at we're at two straight pay per views by the way, where they had to just hit the fade to black as quickly as possible once the finish right. came on to get out of there before the crowd to shit avoid on the poor reactions of the two live crowd. Because <laughs> this one was even more, I thought this one was even more degree just than SummerSlam. It was like Brock Lesnar, blah, blah, and then it was just kind of like, what the fuck? Like I thought I hit something. I thought, oh my god, I I I, I got to go back. I refreshed the file and went back to it, thinking I may have touched something or I did something to turn it off. They just went to black immediately. Cole got his line in black. Because they know fans are going to negatively respond. And if you want to make this argument that the fans that go to the shows are simply a vocal minority and do not represent the common wrestling fan, you are factually wrong because look at the ratings. They are driving people away. It's not just a vocal minority at the shows. Who do you think is buying tickets to these things? It's, you know, do you think it's a bunch of observer readers buying tickets to these shows and then shitting on them? This is their base booing this shit and then not watching on Monday. And don't use the Emmys as an excuse. You know, don't use football. We get football every year. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah football's I, coming. It's coming. Okay. It's this is a historically and a bad thing, number. Yeah. And, 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 and the house shows that no one goes to anymore and they don't care about anyway. Uh, Smackdown tapings, too. I mean, and those Smackdown tapings with literally half those. the building. Not just the top level anymore, a quarter of the building. We all laugh at that. Now it's like literally have. It's not just a vocal minority. It's everyone who's turning on this shit. 
But until there's consequences for that, if they're going to make billions of dollars from TV networks, they're going to sacrifice the tens of thousands, you know, from the house shows. It's, it's, it's a worthwhile trade-off. It, it just stinks. And it's not just, uh, you know, smarks like me and Rich that are saying, look at the numbers. And, and you know, I, 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 I don't know. Let's just talk about this dumb show and move on. I can't. I'm tired of talking about these talking points, and I'm sure tired. I'm I'm sure people are tired of listening to them, and I think in most cases we're just preaching to the choir anyway. Yeah. Because your people who are your people who are listening to this company line of it's just a vocal minority. They're not listening to this show. We ran them off a long time ago. If they were, so we're just preaching to the choir at this point. And I think most of our listeners understand all of these points that we're making, even if they disagree on, you know, uh, some of the subtleties of the argument, they get the bigger picture. So, um, I don't know. Let's just, let's talk about this, this show. I, yeah, let's, let's, well, as I said, we'll start with the main event. I think that's the best way to go. Roman Reigns, uh, Braun Strowman, this is, uh, ended in a no contest. Of course, it was a hell in a cell with no contest, which a lot of people got up in arms with. I didn't really care all that much. There are some things that I really did care about a lot uh, in this match. They things that think that really, really stuck out to me as being uh, pretty egregious, and that was these two laying down for eight minutes. You know, they, they essentially Roman Reigns hits two Superman punches, then he does a spear through a table to Braun Strowman, which we see worse than that on a monthly basis. Roman, Re- we I laugh about it all the time. The trope of Roman Reigns spearing a guy through the barricade happens literally every single month in this in this company. Every single month he's spearing somebody through a barricade. We see Braun Strowman lift ambulances, lift stages, be crushed by a compactor. Remember bones crushed and 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 you know in these back in weeks or whatever. We've seen this man. He is literally a monster among men. We are told that constantly that he is a monster among men. In this case, Roman Reigns does a spear through a table, pin goes for a pin, gets a two count, and both men are laid out for eight minutes while other people run in and do some shit. This, I could not get over the fact. What were these geeks doing? Why were Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman laying down? It, it, again, we say this thing of consequences. You cannot have Braun Strowman rip cage doors, rip people apart, literally rip limbs, carry a porta potty on his back, move ambulances, be a monster among men, and then sell a fucking spear through a table for eight minutes. And then what is Roman Reigns down for? What did he do? He hit the spear. It, this to me was so... If this happened in any other company, if this happened in 2000 WCW, if this happened in any era of TNA, people would be gifting this, laughing about it, and lighting it with a fucking torch if two dudes were down for eight minutes while a bunch of other shit happened around them. Yet, yeah, it just kind of people. Are, oh, this is a great hell of a well. Oh, well, to be fair, I, to be I, fair, I was Rich, amazed that people weren't. To talking be about fair, this. everyone pretty much concedes that this match sucked. It's the rest of the show where everyone is saying that this was a great show. I, I think the the massive flaws in this match were recognized pretty much universally. Um, because yeah, what you're saying is the exact reason why I can't muster any enthusiasm or give a shit about Braun Strowman anymore because his character is so inconsistent. But that speaks to the Dave Meltzer quote that you tweeted out today. It, they don't need to have logic. They don't. It, it, it doesn't matter anymore. They have an entire generation of fans, the people who do still watch Raw, who this is what they think wrestling is. They, 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 they never saw wrestling with logic or cohesive storytelling or shit that makes sense or anything that matters from one pay-per-view cycle to the next. And they're really just playing to those people now. 
where you're paying attention to Braun Strowman over the last year, two years, or whatever it is, and you're wondering how he can be a Superman with Superman strength one minute and this unstoppable monster and then be completely taken out by one move in the next. And you're not wrong. And you're not wrong. And then we have Drew McIntyre and everything else climbing up the cage. I was, I didn't, what am I watching? <laughs> what is this shit? It's garbage. It was garbage. This was, this then, was the worst match yeah, in the two show. Dudes taking a, two dudes taking a ridiculous bump to, you know, Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler. will be forgotten in two weeks, for sure. I mean, Joe, do you remember this, so a lot of this build was about Mick Foley falling off the cage, yeah. and Mick Foley was the guest referee on this and all this sort of stuff. Joe, do you remember a month ago when Kevin Owens took a way worse bump than Man- Mankind took? And no, not even a, he was back two weeks later, and now he's on Braun Strowman's side. You know, yeah, in some and, ways. And, and, Nobody remembers that at no. all. These two dudes are falling off the fucking cage. And no one's going to fucking remember it, ever. It's gone in a week. It's gone in days. Nobody fucking remembers that they fell yeah, off the cage. Yeah, because Owens did it like three tables. months in a row. And it's just, it's, it's, this, co- this company, the main roster has become just dispo- completely disposable entertainment. It is the most, sh- it's, it's, it's 2000 WCW. It's two, you, what? 2000 you're WCW. not wrong. Maybe it, it's not as egregiously it, over the top as, as 2000 WCW, but it's not far No, off. you're not like, wrong. Yeah. There's a lot of shit that happened in 2000 WCW that you're not going to remember ever because Vince Russo just thought it would be cool that week to do it. And that's, that's essentially what we have right now is, is like. Why were these two dudes falling? What, what precedent? What are we doing? Why are these guys falling off the cage? Like, what, what, why? It, it, it yeah, is... this main roster is just as bad as any, as any bad period of TNA that you want to look at. It really is that bad in terms of logic, storytelling, which is why I can't get into a show like this, which everybody else seems to think was a great show. Because to me, I'm watching pick your year of awful TNA. That's what I'm watching. and but they're doing it with a much better roster which is more which fits the 2000 WCW comparison which which makes it all worse but to me it, the TV is just as bad the stories are just as bad and the wasting of talent is just as bad as any era of TNA you want to pick and of 2000 WCW that's where we're at right now with competent wrestling cuz the wrestling's not great if they were giving me great matches every month, I'd do a lot less complaining about everything else because at least I'm getting some great matches. I'm getting old. Right, last year on the show. Last year on the show, we talked all the time about, like, well, shit, the TV kind of sucks, but, man, these pay-per-views are awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was – or maybe it wasn't last year, two years Whatever ago. Whatever it was, point, yeah. They had a good run said, of yeah, – they had a really good run of pay-per-views, you know, however long ago it was that we, we came on here. And t- yeah, that's exactly what we said. But the, the wrestling's just okay. And to be honest, the house style that they've kind of converted to is not, you know, that's a problem too. It's a conversation for another day, but, um, you know, the matches peak at pretty good. And I think the bar has just been lowered. You know, I guess it's a better conversation for some of these other matches that we're going to talk about in terms of, so let's just go down the card, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Any any thoughts on uh, Brock Lesnar, of course, returning, ripping the cage door off, and uh, destroying both men? You know, and people are gonna. And we'll, we'll talk about why he came back. Yeah. as well. but uh, yeah, what would you think? People of are gonna bury me for this, but I don't care. Um, honestly, that was the thing with the most juice on the show for me. I didn't care about anything on this show until Brock Lesnar came back. Now, I didn't think it was some kind of super hot, awesome angle, but in terms of stuff on this show, which was putting me to sleep. Uh, geez, at least it was a surprise, and at least it had some juice, you know. And um, 
you know, I'm not particularly fired up for what's coming, but I'd rather watch Brock Lesnar. He's like, because he's so often not around, he's one of the only people on this roster who, to me, aren't completely tarnished to the point that I don't care about them. Because I still find Brock interesting. Yeah, he still has an aura to me as well. And I know there's a lot of people that have a negative connotation of him. But yeah, he's one of the few guys on the show that I'm like, oh, cool, interesting, yes. different, you know, unique. I don't see this guy every week. I haven't seen this guy all the time. He, he still has that aura about him uh, that makes it still pretty interesting for me. Even though I, I understand, I, I totally 100% get why people have the sort of, oh, God, Brock again. But I have the same thing when I see, oh, God, Roman again. Oh, God, Braun again. Oh, God, like, I have the same, you know, the feeling that people have for Brock Lesnar when they see him come out. I have for pretty much everybody who walks through the curtain of like, ah. Oh, God, it's this guy again. Like, that's that's one of the issues and disconnects for me is like Brock, because I don't see him as one of the only guys that actually appreciates Yeah, and, he always, and it's so. always, you have to have your eyes on the screen when he's on the screen. Now, it might be a train wreck and it might not work, but a lot of times it does work. It's interesting. You know? Um, and I say it all the time, and I stole it from someone else, but in order for something, in order to be interested, it's got to be interesting. It goes hand in hand. And the only other person on the roster really with, with with that kind of, and it's quickly evaporating as Rousey. Yeah, let's actually get to her, because I think that's a, a great segue, because, of course, she was in the semi-main event here against Alexa Bliss. Uh, she defeats Alexa Bliss uh, to uh, retain the Raw Women's title, but I think uh, the, the issue that I had, and I, I'm assuming you're pretty similar as well, uh, Smash went 12 minutes, and unfortunately it was worked very much WWE House style, where Alexa Bliss was beating on Ronda Rousey, exposing the ribs. At one point, the announcer said, well, Rousey is an underdog because of her ribs, and that just made me shiver and groan at the idea that Ronda Rousey is an underdog because her ribs kind of hurt a little bit. Eventually, she won uh, after growling and, and, and hulking up, rousing up, whatever the hell they're going to call it. Um, I still enjoy that she won. I think that's the best move. I do not need to see her in 12-minute matches. I don't need to see her selling her ribs for Alexa Bliss. That That's... At this point, you got something special. Don't just turn her into another person running your house style. That, that's my big issue with the Rousey, Ronda Rousey match. Yeah. Know, just really dislike the way it was laid out. Alexa Bliss is a four foot eleven heel who cheats to win, um, you know, facing the most, who you're pushing is the most dangerous woman in the universe, who legitimately was for, for a couple of years there. And, and they, they've pushed her perfectly every step of the way until this match. This was fucking stupid. Uh, Alexa Bliss just dominating nine out of the 12 minutes of this match with the idea that she was taking it to Ronda Rousey. Alexa Bliss should never have a physical advantage over Ronda Rousey, particularly at this stage of Ronda Rousey's career and this stage of her push, unless she's getting serious help from the outside using her heel tactics and her friends and all the. And this was just Alexa Bliss dominating Ronda Rousey, which was so stupid, which is why I say, you know, I, I'm still interested in Rousey. I still think she's interesting. I still think she has a certain aura. Um, I'm still interested in, in watching her path. But it's quickly evaporating if they're going to just devolve her into typical WWE bullshit like this, which where you don't understand why someone is over, why someone has gotten over, and why you need to continue pushing them a certain way. She doesn't need to have 12-minute matches where she's selling at this stage of her career. Not to Alexa Bliss. Okay? You want to uh, put her in the ring with, with Shayna Baszler and have her sell for nine minutes? Okay. You want to put her in the ring with... Uh, 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 a, a, you know, a better pushed Asuka and do this. Okay. If you want to do this with Nia Jax, who's twice her size. Okay. Alexa bliss. The, this was just the totally the wrong match for the way that these two women are presented. And it was the worst thing on the show until the main event, which came after. Yeah. And I think the biggest issue for me is, 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 is you know, 
the selling is one thing, the match structure is the one thing. The problem is that it's just the match structure that we're so used to of the the, the keel, you know, works over the babyface, the babyface sells, 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 and then hooks up at the end or whatever. And we've seen it for years and years and years and years, and 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 it's not it's not something that makes people over, you know what I mean? Like we we we've seen it. They're like their star creation machine is broken in a lot of ways, and this match structure it's, I think it's is the, a big it's part the of easiest it. people, way to make it, Ronda Rousey not feel special anymore. Right, it's the John Cena Superman thing that people were annoyed of in 2004, in 2005, in 2000, you know, like, going back years and years and years. It's a thing that's really plagued, I think, Roman Reigns a lot of ways. It's that same sort of style that kind of worked for Hulk Hogan that they sort of assumed then is going to work for everybody forever, and it's not. People don't want to see Ronda Rousey selling her ribs to Alexa Bliss and then winning at the end. Like, I don't want a, you know, it wasn't a fluky win at all, but it was sort of like, she got dominated for 12 minutes, and I said the commentary is hitting it over the head. Well, Ronda Rousey's really an underdog because of her ribs, or Ronda Rousey's really an underdog. Don't make her an underdog. I don't want the underdog overcomes the odds, the, the hashtag overcome the odds type thing. We were getting that again. Do not do that with Ronda Rousey. There's no reason to do it. There's no reason whatsoever a better to do story, it, especially against an Alexa Bliss. I mean, type. a better story is she has broken ribs, but she still destroys Alexa Bliss. That's how right. you get her over. Yeah. And Alexa Bliss probably doesn't lose anything. Loses nothing the because the, is because the idea right. is that she's so dominant that no one loses. You know what I mean? And then and then you can. It's just uh, can we just move on? I can't do it. Yeah. I can't. It's one on one. It's one on one. But they don't do it. Uh, all right, we have the Miz and Maurice defeating Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella. This is yet another match on the Daniel Bryan Dream Match Tour. Uh, I know we were all excited about this one—a mixed tag between uh, the wives and the uh, uh, the Miz and Daniel Bryan. It was at the top of my uh, list, this Rich. One, just. I know it was right. It was Johnny Gargano and then a mixed tag match with their wives. Yes. Uh, uh, that was definitely right up there. Um, am I off base by saying that it felt like this match was more about Maurice and Bree than it was about Miz and Brian? Did Did you get that similar vibe from the commentary, from the promo videos, from everything? Well, yeah, and then the finish, the horrendous finish. By the way, the 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 oh god, the, the, oh my the, god. the wrestling school trainee finish with, oh, with Joe. I think I honestly think if 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 you lived close to me, I would I would say we should go and try to do this finish and see if we could do it better. Uh, Bri- I, I think we look, could. Uh, Mar- you know, Bree is bad, and Maurice is just god awful. They're just you know, and it, and it feels I don't know if we. I mean. They're in the number one promotion in the world on a pay-per-view. So on one hand, it feels I, I kind of feel bad picking on them because we know they're not. But at the other hand, if this is it's a roll-up, it's if a this roll is up. what you're presenting me, though, I feel like it's fair game to be fucking torn apart. These it's a roll-up. I mean, I'm not asking you to hit a perfect Canadian destroyer off like the top fucking rope. It's a roll-up, and then you hold the tights. Roll up and hold the tights. Like I feel like that's not that difficult. Yeah, they stink. Um, they're just bad pro wrestlers. They're not good. And uh, the Miz Daniel Bryan thing. Look, I will say this. And I said this when I previewed it last week. This match is not for you or me, but I do think you're died in the wool WWE fan. I did think that they would be into this, and they were. This had more heat than the SummerSlam match. This had more mm-hmm. heat than the Daniel Bryan Miz SummerSlam match that people waited years for. Okay? So I think you're right. Your point is correct. I think adding Maurice and Brie Bella added something for that kind for a certain kind of fan. Because this Ms. Daniel Bryan feud has been a fucking wet fart when you consider what it should be. It should be the hottest thing in the company, and it's far from it. And now it's just mid-card fodder. It's all it is is mid-card fodder. And I don't give a flying fuck about it. I don't give a flying fuck about Daniel Bryan. I'm sick of the Miz. I don't care about this at all. So if they want to muck this up and make it about Total Divas and, and Miz and Mrs. and 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 lead into something on evolution. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. 
they've already missed the plot so badly with Daniel Bryan and blown it with him that I don't care about him anymore. I don't care what Daniel Bryan does. You can yeah, you I'm can right you can put is, him on main event it, it of Feud with Rhino, weird. and I I I don't care. I, I I've, yeah. He came out, and I was just like, all right, whatever. Like, and I never ever thought in my life, and one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, and I just don't zero care passion for anything all. he does. I, it's just didn't so it, you know, just do this then. I mean, it, it got a better reaction than their singles match got, and I'm you know, and it's like it's supposed to make you angry that the Miz keeps beating. I don't care. I have no desire to see Daniel Bryan finally get his comeuppance on the Miz and put him in his place. Do you feel that at all? God, no. Do you God. care if he ever even gets the... I don't care. Eventually, he's going to beat the Miz. We all get it. Do you have any desire to see that or need or want or desire? Yeah, just to see whatever's next, but I've, I've resigned myself to the fate that whatever's next is probably going to suck, see, too. So, it's, you know, until otherwise noted, I'm going to assume I it's couldn't care less yet, about this so. feud. I couldn't care less about Maurice, Brie Bella, the Miz, or Daniel Bryan right now. It's It's... it's it's not for me, and I don't care about it. I thought this was interesting because we'll talk about this. will be kind of a running theme of the show. So the Maurice wins by uh, rolling up uh, Brie or, or some attempting to roll up Brie and doing whatever the hell they did uh, and holding the tights. So kind of a hold the tights kind of fuck Wait, finish she there, held the tights? Uh, for you in this mixed tag match. She was supposed to. I didn't yeah, even notice that she They held said it. on the commentary, oh, Maurice had the tights. That's why she won. She didn't actually hold the tights because she missed. Because she's fucking terrible. It, but Because she couldn't hold it tight. I mean, that's what I mean. It's not like I'm asking them to, you know, hit a fucking, you know, perfect, you know, lock in a perfect figure four. And I'm just saying, you know, hold tights, but they, they didn't do it. Yeah, the, the commentary hit it over the head. Oh, Maurice had the tights. That's why they won. So keep that in mind because there's going to be a run here of, of those sort of things. And that's why I said, you know, I'm not going to excuse them because they have 15 agents and they're all these great Hall of Famers and all these sort of guys. And then we had like four finishes on the show where they were essentially the same thing, like these kind of fuck finishes. Um, but whatever, it is what it is. The finishes don't matter. The matches don't matter. The, the feuds never feel like they're end. They just they go until you're bored of them, and then they just kind of falter. You know what I mean? They just kind of fly away in the wind, and you're like, oh yeah, that feud, yeah, that's all right. And nothing ever feels. And this feud like should have been a. It's and this always... should have been a layup. Yeah. This should have been a yeah. fucking layup. This was the, they, they they had this gift wrap to them. <laughs> you know, it's like one of the things that people actually do remember from this company over the last few years is that Miz promo on Daniel Bryan on Talking Smack. This was a layup. They've missed a wide-open layup with this. This should be headlining the house. This, the Miz and Daniel Bryan should be headlining house shows and drawing 10,000 fans in every building. And it should be headlining pay-per-views, whether it's for a title or not. And this is what, it, it, you know, it's a mid-card match with Maurice and Brie Bella. Yeah, it's fodder. Yeah, mid-card fodder to drum up support for e-shows. You know, which, again, <laughs> that's their model now. Get shows on. Yeah, e. which is fine. I don't care. But yeah, content, 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 content exactly. Content. So you could this this so. match is a, a microcosm of that point, where it's all about creating content now, as opposed to creating paying customers. This yeah. is a microcosm of that. That's what's more important because that's what's, what will make them more money. Uh, WWE Championship match. You have AJ Styles, the champion, defeating Samoa Joe. A uh, little bit of a weird finish here. Before we get to that. Um, you made a tweet about this, and I had the very similar thought when I was watching the show, is the build has been some, you know, story time with Samoa Joe, and Joe wants to fuck AJ's wife and take his daughter and, and do all that sort of stuff. It's hell in a cell, but they have a singles match, just a normal, standard singles match, some holds, AJ Styles, you know, again, this dude has been for two months talking about fucking his wife, and Styles comes out and does test of strengths and nerve holds and sleepers and stuff, and... And again, it doesn't matter. Who cares? You know, like in any normal era, like this dude would be livid that this guy's talking about fucking his wife and stealing his daughter. But 2018 WWE, so he just comes out there and wrestles a match. And know? meanwhile, when 
Randy Orton is just casually watching Jeff Hardy from the shadows for two months. That's the Hell in a Cell match. It has to be settled, Joe. We've got to settle this issue. You've been watching me, so I got to get you in the cell. Why wasn't the AJ Styles Samoa Joe match in the cell? Wouldn't it make more sense? Does anything make sense in this company? No, Joe. We're going to talk about this finish and then what they built the next for the next match between these two, and you will for sure know that nothing ever matters and that nothing. Now, you hated this finish. You couldn't stand this finish. Fucking despise. You hate it more than me. Like I, I watch this stuff and I'm just like emotionless. But you hated this finish. Uh, the finish, of course, was was uh, well. Samoa Joe went for the muscle buster, which I thought was was interesting. And then because uh, he doesn't really use that anymore, and he's and AJ slipped out of it, and he went for the calf crusher. And no, no, he went for the. Uh, uh, didn't he go for the? Uh, uh, what's what's he called? Why can I not think of this move? Um, the one where he breaks everybody's necks. Uh, oh, the he go for the Styles oh. Clash, and then Joe escaped that. And then, uh, and then, how did he end up in the? So he had him in the he had him in the coquina, the coquina clutch, clutch, and yeah. then Styles the Styles kind of rolled out he of it, bridged and got the pin that way. Styles, so Joe. Then you know they're, they're going through all these finisher counters, right? Joe puts on the coquina clutch and drops to his back like he always does to really wrench it in, and Styles bridges for a pinning combination, and then uh, the referee's counting the pin, but. While he's counting the pin, Styles is tapping out to the Coquina Clutch. But the ref doesn't see it. So Styles wins, but really Joe got the tap before the pin. Rich, you fucking hated this. Tell us why. Well, the reason I hated it, not necessarily the visual of that. Like, I don't mind that. I don't mind the idea of AJ bridging out and then tapping. That's not that big of a deal to me. I know Dave uh, Dave Meltzer always hates that because he's like, well, every sports league has replay now, but these referees are like, nope, I saw it, I counted, I can't take it back, or whatever. I don't, I don't necessarily care about that. What I care about is what happened afterwards. And then again, like we we keep using the term microcosm, a microcosm of why nobody fucking gets over in this company, why there's no stars. So Samoa Joe thinks that you know thinks that he got screwed. He knows that AJ tapped. He felt AJ tap. The referee screwed him over. So Samoa Joe rolls out to the outside. He's screaming to the announcer saying, he tapped, he tapped. How did nobody see it or whatever? And you get the announcer saying, yeah, no, I mean, like, I, I and, you know, Corey Graves is like, no, I think I saw him tap. And everybody else saying, no, no, he didn't. And then they show a replay and Styles tapped. So it's, like, obvious to everybody watching at home and whatnot that Styles did tap. So, so Samoa Joe has this visual win. He knows that, yeah, he got screwed out of, out of this win by the referee. Not a big deal. That's not, to me, not, that's a good way to build to a future match or whatever. So... Joe gets into the ring. He's a, a, a screaming at the referee. Styles is down because he, you know, got the pinfall, a fluke kind of pinfall, but did tap out. Then Styles gets up, just kicks Samoa Joe, knocks him down. Styles gets the title, holds his hands up, and then Joe just rolls out of the ring and leaves before Styles does. Why did AJ have to beat him up afterwards? Why did AJ have to get the, the get his win back, quote unquote, or get get the move back, or whatever. It's this fifty fifty bullshit that we talk about with the booking. But you couldn't even have Samoa Joe just stand tall at the end of this match. You couldn't just have Samoa Joe say, "God damn it, I got screwed out of that. This sucks." You know, I want my rematch. No, he had to get hit by AJ Styles so that AJ could have his moment where he held the title up. Because you can't even in a fucking second have one guy get over for more than 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 the other guy. It always has to be everybody in this muck. Nobody can emerge from the muck for even fifteen fucking seconds. And then Joe just rolls out. He gets kicked. Styles does his, his cheer, and then Joe just rolls out of the ring. Why? Why did you? Why couldn't Styles have just been down while Joe just says, "God damn it, that sucks." Like you screwed me. That's it. That's all you had to do. But he had to kick him. He had to get his thing back. It's, it's yeah. It's not even fifty-fifty from match to match. It's from second to second. 
right. You can't even. Because that to me works. Like, that works where Joe says, well, you got. I mean, Styles then, by the skin of his teeth, wins that match. By the skin of his teeth, he won the match. Joe obviously knows that he won. Joe dominated, and Joe has a reason to say, hey, give me a rematch because. But, it, you know, he just had to get knocked it's, down afterwards. He it's, just it's, another, it's also just, another example of, like, Joe's the baby face in this whole scenario. Like, the ref did screw him. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And yeah. then AJ beats him up. So it's like, who, like, Styles is behaving as the heel. But we're supposed to not like Joe. Right. Which, <laughs> you know, everything else aside, okay, yeah, Joe's a creep. I get that part of it. Joe's a creep, and he's saying horrible things about Styles' family. But where's the consi- again? No consistency. And this was a perfectly good match. I, this was a good match. That's fine. You know, this was a good match. It was well worked, and it was. I, I gotta tell you, this was my favorite match of the night, which is is a bit of a hot take, I think. Um, you know, I, I I'd agree. We'll have uh, we'll have some people argue with us here in a minute, but yeah. Oh, you I, do I agree, agree well. man. I th- see. I thought you. Yeah, I yeah, thought yeah. you thought the tag was the because I, I thought I saw you really praise the tag. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess we could transition to that, but I, I, I enjoyed Styles Joe and I didn't really hate the finish, you know, and, and, and as much as you did or, or the post-match stuff, it, it does build to the next match, which they're going to have, are they having that in Saudi Arabia or Australia? Which one? <laughs> it doesn't build to it, Joe. It doesn't build to it because here's what I mean. So they're having a match at, uh, I forget. We'll, we'll talk about it a bit. I believe it's the Saudi show or, or no, it's super it's uh, showdown. Show, right? I think they're on. It's the Australian show. Joe, what are the stipulations for that match? Oh, I haven't seen this. Is this going to make me mad? Yeah, it's a no count out, no disqualification match. Okay. <laughs> what? That's not yeah, the yeah. problem. I thought, I, no, I thought, that's not the I issue. Gonna say, <laughs> the, the, I thought you were going to say submission. Right, that would have made sense. Yes, yes, Joe. Having a submission match, because Joe could say, Styles cannot tap me out. Sorry, my dog is getting freaked out. Right, and I proved I can tap <laughs> him out. That would have made sense. I proved I could tap him out. I want a submission match. Let's see, St- let's see and, him and try Joe, to tap me out because and, I proved and, he could do and, it. And Styles, being the valiant babyface, would of course accept that challenge. <laughs> of course. So a submission match would have been the greatest way. Paige would have said, okay, you did get screwed by that referee. I understand. At, at, at Saudi Arabia or Super Showdown or whatever, you can, you can get exactly whatever match you want. And Joe says, I want a submission match. And Styles says, you and, got and it. And Paige buddy. says to you Styles, are you sure you want to do this, AJ? Because, of <laughs> right. course, we, also, we all saw AJ tap out. And as fans, we're thinking, man, we might really see a title change here because Joe <laughs> tapped right. him out of it. But see, these things are all logical and make sense. But where do they get no DQ, no count out from? Rich, the I, I match we just saw should have been no DQ, no count out because AJ went nuts and got DQ'd the match before. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so they even managed to take a good feud, which I think has been overbooked with the Joe stuff. I've talked yeah. about that enough. Oh, the story time with Joe. It, it's so fucked. stupid. That's, it's that it's, so it's, stupid. Yeah, it's so bottom stupid. level TNA trash. Joe reading fucking storybooks and, you know, it's garbage. It's absolute fucking WCW garbage. Without, you know, with that said, I mean, you know, otherwise the in-ring stuff and I, I liked AJ snapping and losing his temper, but this should have been no DQ, no count out because AJ should have demanded the page. I want this man, no DQ, no count out because I want blood. I want to kill this man for what he said about my family. But no, they go out there and have a normal match. And now inexplicably, it's now no DQ, no count. Rich, I didn't know that. And you fired me up. I got, I'm angry now. <laughs> that you have Thank supplied you. me that I just thought they were building to the next match I'm like okay I'm okay with that let's see these guys go out again they'll have another fucking 
really cool match that I'll be into, but no! They gotta fucking muck it up with horrible booking again that doesn't make any goddamn sense. Stupid. <sighs> That's that. Alright, so let's get to the uh, tag match here. This was for the Raw Tag Team Championship. You have Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre defeating Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. I enjoyed this match, but I was amazed when I saw the praise. I went back, I tried to stay kind of spoiler-free. I went back, and man, I saw match of the year. I saw this is the best tag match I've seen in years. This is the WWE match of the year, and that might be true. I have no fucking clue, because I, I mean, I pretty much disliked a lot of WWE uh, matches this year. But man, if this is your match of the year, I think you really need to watch more shows than Hell in a Cell, because Joe, I thought this was fine. I thought it was okay. I thought it had a really good last five minutes, but man, the other 20 minutes could have... I, I don't know. I didn't see the hype at all. What would you think of this? I was amazed to see the praise that I was. I thought this, this was a perfectly fine match with an awesome thirty-second finish. I, I I am stunned that people think this is a match at a level, a match of the year level match. There have been better. Forget about match of the year. Just, just let's just talk about tag team match of the year for a second. There are better tag team matches on every takeover in the same company as this match. Every takeover has a better tag team match than this match. Every one of them. Go all the way back to Lorcan and Birch against uh, Undisputed Era. Then all of the Undisputed Era versus, uh, you know, variants of, of, of uh, British Strong Style, uh, uh, Mustache Mountain. But those matches, you know, some of them of which are on NXT television, some of them are on takeovers, but they're all, they were all better than this match. Yeah, all three, all three of them I would put above this. Yeah, and what sure. about the Lorcan Birch Undisputed Era? You like that better than this? Oh, of course. How oh, yeah, about yeah. the yeah, God, and yeah. let's go outside the company for a second. Did you think Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi versus Tomohiro Nishi and Will Ospreay uh, from early from last week was better than this? Oh yeah. yeah. Did yeah. you think uh, Golden Lovers versus Young Bucks uh, was a better tag team match than this? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I, I thought the SoCal Uncensored Briscoes at All In was better than this. Like, I mean, this was good. This was good, but my god, I, I, like, imagine, I, this has been the year of the tag team match. There have been so many great tag team matches this year, and this was a good match. This was like a three and a half, three and three quarter star match. This is not even close. How about um? How about the uh? How about the LAX War? And, and the, from the TNA uh, Slammiversary. Oh, of course. Was of that course. a better tag team yeah, match? That might be one I mean, my... that, that was easily oh, yeah, a better... that might be one of my favorite matches of the year. I love that match. Easily yeah. a better match than this. I mean, they go right down the line. I mean, it, I, I, I'm, I'm, Rich, I am stunned. I am stunned that people genuinely think it's got to be that they're just not watching a, a, a ton of wrestling. It has to be. Because, it, it, I mean, in its own company, this is not the tag... This is like the fifth best tag team match in WWE this year. Tag team match. And we haven't even talked about singles matches. We haven't even... I'm leaving singles matches out of this. Rich, I don't know if... I don't know if I think this was better than Kurt Angle and Ronda Rousey versus Triple H and Stephanie. I'd have to... Of course. I'd have to to think about that. But they're about the same. But, you you know, I may prefer the WrestleMania match. I mean, it's, it's... I am confident that if I really went through my notes and I'm just glancing through them now, I could come up with 10 tag team matches alone that were better than this, than this tag team. And that's without even discussing singles matches. And if you let me cheat and use like six man tags, forget it. I can probably come up with 15 at least. And I'm not just trying to be a dick yeah, and shit in people's cornflakes here. No, 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 I'm not either. Yeah. It's just like, to me, I just could, could not fathom what, like, 
because I, I was reading some of the stuff afterwards and I was just like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know what I missed about. And I, I like this match. I really thought it was very good, but Jesus Christ, like reel it in a little bit. It was not, I mean, that might just be the way it is now where it's just like anything that's decent. Like we said, not stepping on your dick for a match might be enough to get people to lose their minds for it. Cause I thought it was very good. Like you said, very good closing stretch. I thought the last five minutes was pretty good. You said the last 30, but. I mean, it was a 25-minute match, and nothing happened in between that. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and, and waiting, and, and, and I know these guys are capable of having something good, and I thought, yeah, the end was really great. It was a really good finish, but Jesus, man, you're just not watching enough wrestling if you think this is... You're not watching enough of this own company, even if you don't watch any... Because I could be a real loser and say, oh, that Wrestle 1 match I just saw was way better, because it was the one I saw earlier today with T-Hawk and Lindemann versus uh, uh, Suji Kondo and uh, <laughs> Doi, but, you know, if I, I could be a dick and say that, but... I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to say, just watch NXT, and you already are going to have four matches that are better. You don't just watch TNA, and you're going to have five and six matches that are better. You don't have to leave the company, four. right? Two hundred five live. Jesus Christ! I mean, I'm sure there's something on two hundred five live a weekly that's as good. Yeah, if, just, if, yeah. If you're if you're perplexing. going beyond tag matches, absolutely, absolutely. That's that you know without question. So I, I look. I and again, this is you know I don't know how this is going to come off to people, but I mean I just I, I don't see it. I, I don't see it at all. There was the you know, Young Bucks versus Evil and Sonata from June I thought was a better match than this. And, and and like you're saying, we're not digging super deep. We're talking about WWE, TNA, and New Japan, basically. I mean, I could probably give you tag. Like, you just gave one from Wrestle 1. I could probably give a couple, you know, from some other companies too. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But but with that said, because of that, we're spending a lot of time picking on, you know, a really good match. I didn't think it was the best match on this show! I didn't think it was the best match on this show, which I get as a minority opinion. But, you know, as match of the year, I mean, not even fucking close. I, it, it wouldn't be in my top 100 matches of the year. I really don't think this would be one of my... In fact, I know it wouldn't be. Just going on my don't be star ratings, because I didn't go four on this, and I definitely have 100 matches. Well over 100 matches over four this year. Yeah. So, but, but you know, the finishing stretch was awesome. It was very creative. Yeah, and I thought I thought it was a creative finish too. I thought the idea of Drew coming in there and and and, and hitting the big boot to give Ziggler the the win. But again, like I I said, what was weird is that finish would have been really really cool on a show of itself. The problem was that you had a lot of finishes like this. Dolph Ziggler did not win. He just kind of happened to be in the right place. He fell onto uh you know uh, I think he was Seth. He fell onto Seth after Drew hit the hit the Claymore yes. kick and got the pin that way, which again is a great finish. But Styles, you know, got a fluky sort of roll up to get his win. Uh, Maurice held Brie Bella's tights to get her win. Uh, the Roman Reigns Braun Strowman ended in a no contest. We're going to talk about uh, the next match, which was done in, in a kind of a quick roll up fashion. A again, like you have all these fucking agents and they're all these great Hall of Famers and superstars or whatever. Nobody said, "Hey, who's doing a fuck finish or who's doing a sleeper?" You know, no one's gonna, you know, not nothing clean in this match because they don't do clean finishes that much anymore because there's no need to. You're always building to the next week to build more content for the next week or the next month. It's never about giving you a satisfying finish to the story. No, no story ever finishes until it just finishes. You know, it just. Stops happening, and that's how the finish happens. Graham Metallic and Lince Dorado versus Tony Nese and Buddy Murphy from the August 21st 205 Live was a better match than this. Fair tag team. I mean, maybe it's just that people aren't watching these. You know, I went four and a half on that, and that had a you know a, a pretty significant botch, and I still went four and a half. That match ruled. I mean, I I don't know. It's it's I don't know, Rich. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and and one guy that I'm again I'm kind of putting my eye on a little bit because this match did definitely make that pretty obvious. I mean, you have Seth, who I think has, has is a guy who's been brimming and and ready to be 
you know, brought to the next level for God for a long time now. I mean, there's obviously the, the missed time where you know he came back from his injury many years ago, but they had something with him in the early uh, spring and, and through most of the summer. He just kind of feels like another guy now, and, and that's of course what's going to happen. So he's a guy that I was really pegged and, and looked at. Drew McIntyre is still a guy that I think that if they really want to reinvigorate that main event and have something different. He feels like the right guy to be that the, the one to do it. I know he's currently under Braun or whatever, and the dogs of war and all that sort of shit. But but Drew is one guy that again, like they're doing a good job of building it up. I I hope and I pray and I have no confidence they're going to do it. But he seems like a very good guy, a very good uh, guy that, to to take that next step up and 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 maybe make it to the main event and do some stuff in that main event. Kind of change it up a little bit. But I just have no confidence that they're ready to move anybody from the muck. I mean, the muck is what it is. But uh, Drew. Seems like a very good candidate, and Ambrose and Seth are. I've, I've been multiple time candidates uh, to be moved up from the muck, and of course, I've never been. No, I think it's so. clear they're going to push we'll him, but I don't have any confidence that that push is going to inspire any confidence in him or anything like that. Right. So. All right, so you have Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, this ongoing saga here. Becky Lynch defeating Charlotte to win the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, in a uh, kind of a roll through, I, I enjoy, again I enjoyed this finish. <laughs> if it was by itself on a show that didn't have a bunch of other finishes similar to this, but this is a, a pretty good match. It's the best that Charlotte's looked in a long time, and I thought Becky really controlled this entire match, and I thought that made it really good as well because I think she's a, a really good wrestler. So I enjoyed this match a lot. I would almost put it neck and neck with that tag match that that followed it um, on this show because I really really liked it. Uh, the story again continues to be kind of muddy. Uh, the announcers, for whatever whatever anybody on the internet says, the announcers are clearly putting Charlotte as the face and Becky as the heel. Corey Graves is the only person that sees it Becky's way, and everybody else sees Charlotte as the, the good person in this in this feud. So you can lie to yourself all the time and say, "Oh, they're changing," or "Oh, they they've moved it on the fly." They are still with the narrative that Charlotte's good and Becky's bad, no matter how many times you write an article about it that has not changed. But Becky gets the win here, denies the handshake. They, uh, I'm assuming, wanted booze, and they got a rounding applause uh, because everybody wanted Becky to tell Charlotte to go fuck herself, and she did. So Becky leaves with the title uh, with tons of cheers, and the announcers are perplexed uh, why Becky is so mean and everyone's booing her, even though no one's booing her. Yeah, so, and Corey Graves yeah. does a dollar store Jesse Ventura routine, so that's why he's the one, um, you know, siding with uh, uh, mm-hmm. with Becky. But yeah, you're you're dead on. I didn't think it was as good as the tag match, but it was, I think, the third best match on the show uh, behind Styles, Joe, and the tag. And it was a perfectly good match. I don't have any other thoughts. I I don't know. It's I don't care. I, I know I'm not supposed to come on this show and say that, but I, Rich, I don't care. Uh, speaking of not caring, this is 24 minutes of something I did not give a shit about. Randy Orton uh, and Jeff Hardy. I thought it was a perfectly okay Hell in a Cell match. Uh, Randy Orton wins. Uh, again, this was almost going to be a no contest as well, and the ref was ready to throw it out until Randy Orton pinned Jeff Hardy. But again, we talk about this all the time. The, the, the Jeff Hardy bump that he did, he was hanging off the cage. I don't know what he was even attempting to doing, and they did a really terrible job of shooting it if what he was trying to do. I, I don't know. He was hanging on the cage, and I think Orton was on a table, and then he was going to land on Orton through the table. Orton moved, and then like 10 seconds later, Jeff Hardy fell uh, into the table. They sold this as Jeff Hardy is dead when it's like we have seen Jeff take, you know, weeks ago we saw him take a worse bump. We've seen thousands of worse bumps every single week on Raw and SmackDown or whatnot. And this guy goes to a table from not that high up and it's like this amazing, always being transported to a medical facility and he's spitting blood and all that sort of stuff. Again, like you said, nothing really matters, nothing really cares. But uh, yeah, it was Randy Orton winning and it was a perfectly comparable, perfectly acceptable Hell in a Cell match. But I have no real strong thoughts about it. It is all right. I mean, it was, you know... <clears throat> slow paced and all that, but that's Orton. And, you know, and it is a cell match and he did the dopey thing with the screwdriver through the ear hole where he was twisting the ear, um, which was memorable. 
I think that'll be one of the things that's memorable off the show, at least. I didn't have a major problem with the finish like you did. I think the fact that Hardy was swinging off the top of the cell kind of made the bump at least a little bit unique, at least for a table bump. Um, so I didn't put a, a ton of thought into, you know, yeah, I, obviously we've seen more extreme, you know, and, and that's the perils of continuing. And we don't, we're not trying to come off like Jim Cornette here, but, you know, when you do that stuff so often, uh, you're going to have opinions like Rich has here sometimes. But, uh, you know, it was fine. I, you know, I don't have a ton more to say about it. It was fine. Yeah, and I think what's what's interesting is you said that one thing is that the most memorable spot from this is going to be that screwdriver thing. Like that is what people are going to remember. And again, I'm not I, I'm not trying to be Mister Don't Do Risky Things. I just think do stuff that's going to be memorable. Do stuff that people are going to remember. I mean, if you're going to fall off uh, and, and and go through some tables and do all this sort of shit, you know, make the most out of it. You know, and I said that exactly when Kevin Owens was doing backflips, you know, falling backwards on the tables from tops of cages or whatnot. That no one's going to remember this shit. So what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this if it's just to get to the next story and the next the next story doesn't really matter? So, yeah, Jeff Hardy, you know, he goes to the table and, and, and Dave writes in the Observer that he's working house shows this weekend. So it's not even like they're playing it up. Like, you know, he's not hurt or anything. He's, he's back already. It's, it is what it is. It's just, you know, he's he's at a local medical facility. Let's see what the Owen Hart voice. And then he's just back, you know, in a week. So it doesn't matter. This was a show. This was a show with three good matches, two OK matches and two matches that weren't good. So yeah, with a lot of shitty storytelling up and down. That's why I cannot call it a good show. I cannot throw roses at a show if it just doesn't make sense. I mean, the finishes I thought sucked, and the storytelling was horrendous. So throughout. even if you so, think the tag match was great, even if I give you that, even if you think the tag match was great and a match of the year contender, it's a show with one great match, two good matches, two okay matches, and two bad matches with horrible booking and finishes. So I'm sorry, I don't see it either. It, it's I don't know. You know, I yeah. think it's a it's a the bar has been lowered successfully this year by this company because most of their shows are flat out bad pay-per-view shows this year. They're horrible. I, I, I review them every month in fighting spirit and I'm trying to come up with new creative ways to make fun of them. I, I I'm running, yeah, I've just, run out of ways to yeah. bury their pay-per-views. I've run out of ways, you know? So um, yeah, but by, by the standard of this company in 2018, their pay-per-views in 2018, I guess it was an okay show. Was it better than Royal Rumble? And I, you know, you got to think back. Um, I thought WrestleMania peaked higher than this show. There's just much more shit on WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. I think you're probably, probably right on that. So I, I'm not even sure that it's definitively the best show they've had this year. No. I, yeah, Rumble was, was pretty good from what I remember. And, and yeah, Mania I thought sucked because it was so long. But, I mean, there was probably three Mania, hours of Mania, stuff on Mania WrestleMania peaked higher. And, in a nine-hour package. Yes, it yeah, peaked totally higher and it valued a lot lower. Yeah. Um, all right, so other stuff before we get uh, before we move on to New Japan and some other topics here. Uh, WWE has a lot of shows coming up in the next few days. Uh, they have a pay-per-view on 10-6. They have another on 10-28. They have a third on 11-2. Uh, and then they have Survivor Series on 11-18. So there's a lot of stuff they're promoting. They also have the Mixed Match Challenge they're promoting. Lots of stuff going on. The first show uh, we're going to touch on is the Super Showdown in Australia. We'll do a more definitive preview, uh, I think, next week. Uh, I think we ha- I think that's the right time to do it next week because it's the sixth, right? I think yeah, we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it. In, uh, we can do it. I mean, we actually have two weeks to go until we really need to do an extensive preview of this. But uh, some interesting stuff on the show. I thought we just want to touch on real quick here. I think the more interesting stuff is going to be the Saudi show, which we'll talk about in a bit. But uh, Super Showdown, you have Triple H versus the Undertaker. They're being seconded by Shawn Michaels and Kane uh, to build up to a match that we'll talk about here in a bit in the Saudi show. So you have Triple H and the Undertaker. The uh, rivalry continues, even though it was over before it was end of an era and it's not end of an era. They're back at it again, but whatever I got Bobby Lashley and John Cena versus Elias and Kevin Owens, uh, Dan O'Brien versus the Miz. This is uh, to determine 
a number one contender because Daniel Bryan for sure deserves a number one contender shot after losing all the time uh, constantly. Uh, Six-man tag, The Shield versus the Dogs of War. Uh, a six-woman tag match. You got the Bella Twins and Ronda Rousey versus the Riot Squad. Uh, and then you have the no countouts, no disqualification. Thank God. No more DQs, no more countouts in this feud. Uh, AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe. Cedric Alexander versus Buddy Murphy for the Cruiserweight title. Um, New Day versus Cesaro and Sheamus for the SmackDown tag titles. Asuka and Naomi versus the Iconics. And then if you can gather your breath, Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair for the SmackDown women's title. And Joe, the one thing I want to talk about the Super Showdown is, is you and I have always on the show enjoyed these sort of spot shows. The the Beast from the East, uh, the one where the random Japan show where it's like Finn Balor versus Guy, you know what I mean? Like Kofi Kingston versus Brock Lesnar, these like, weird spot shows that happen. We always liked them because they felt kind of out of canon. They felt different. They felt unique. What do you think about this current run of shows, which I, I think first, first and foremost is Super Showdown, which is in canon. We have stuff on Raw building to the Super Showdown. We have matches that are, are, are being built on pay-per-views with payoffs on Super Showdown. What do you think about that? Or do, do you like the idea that this has now become just another important, quote-unquote, important show? Or did you like it better when these kind of bought shows were, were just sort of out of canon fun super show spot shows and that sort of thing. Uh, they still feel kind of out of canon to me. I get what you're saying, though. They are paying off storylines and continuing things. But I like them because they're different, and they feel different, and they don't feel samey. Hell in the Cell just feels like every other WWE pay-per-view each month. I don't think the Australian show will feel like that. It'll have a different vibe. It'll have a hotter crowd. And the Saudi shows, they're just they're just so wacky that, um, you know, I... it Look... They're doing these things. I'm not going to get into the politics of it. If they're doing them and, you know, they're throwing big money at Shawn Michaels and Brock Lesnar uh, to show up for these things, I will watch them with bemusement at, at, at the whole absurdity of it all. So, no, I I, 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 I I do still enjoy these random, odd, paid-type shows that they do. Um, I, I do enjoy it from that aspect. Yeah, it's definitely interesting, and uh, I think the big one to talk about is the Saudi Arabia show, the WWE Crown Jewel. I think the most important part of that is um, that we are going to see uh, Michaels and Triple H, Shawn Michaels, returning to the ring to face The Undertaker and Kane. Uh, you also have Roman Reigns uh, defending the title in a three-way against Brock Lesnar and Braun. So the big story there is Brock and Michaels. So Brock, uh, from all accounts, was pretty much done with WWE. Uh, was going to do short-term deals if he could and, and get little things here and there. He presumably gets a very big money payday to come and do this Crown Jewel show. And after years and years and years of begging and begging and begging, they found a price that was right for Shawn Michaels, because Shawn Michaels also coming out of retirement for the Saudi Arabia show. So again, I'm into it too. I think there's some pretty gross, like, you know, uh, things going on with this paid show and it being in Saudi Arabia and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's probably not the best show to discuss that. There are probably are better shows that are going to kind of get into that a little bit. We just kind of like the absurdity of it a little bit. But uh, yeah, what do you make of Shawn Michaels being coaxed out of retirement after years and years of them trying for the Saudi Arabia Fuck show? it. I take the money too. I mean, you know, how can you turn down? Yeah, conviction's one thing, but shit, you're going to write me a check for $2 million? Fuck conviction. I'll, I'll, I'll how, you know, he's obviously getting a ridiculous yeah. sum of money. Um, yeah. You know, so it, it'll be a spectacle. I enjoy a spectacle. You know, do I think it's going to be some great match? Of course not. Um, but I just wish that these Saudis were smarks and they wanted to pay for shit that we want to see. Like, wouldn't it be right. great if the Saudis were like newsletter readers and they were like, uh, we want to see Kenta and Naka and, and uh, we want to see uh, Kenta and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura have a singles match because, uh, you know, we're big fans of Noah and New Japan 
and we think that would be, uh, you know, we want to see Cassius Ono get a WWE world title shot. Like, that's the kind of shit I wish the Saudi princes were into, you know? But unfortunately, they're into seeing, they want, they want, they want, Yoko, attitude era. They want, they want attitude Yokozuna era. Yeah. raised from the dead, and <laughs> they want to see Shawn Michaels, you know, and they want to see Undertaker, you know, they're not, it, it just sucks that the Smarks, you know, don't have giant ROH DVD collections from the mid-aughts that they're drawing their inspiration from. Because wouldn't that be right. great? If, yeah, Prince Nana. Give Prince Nana. Give him $2 yes, million. Yes, we want Prince Nana, Nana and... uh, to manage uh, whoever. You know, <laughs> Jimmy yeah, Rave. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. We, yes, we want the embassy on our, on our, on our, on our Money Mark <laughs> right. show. You know, that would be great. Uh, as opposed to, uh, you know, what their tastes happen to be. But uh, it's just fucking... It's just, it's an all a giant spectacle, and it'll feel different, and it'll feel unique. I mean, that greatest Royal Rumble, I mean, you had these guys sitting on couches at ringside and meandering around <laughs> and talking on their cell phone, and they, you know, they nearly started a world war with the Iran cheap heat segment, and it's just, I, you know, it's just absurd. They got in trouble for showing Carmella, you know, that, yeah, that always, you know, nobody could come, and the, the women's thing again was always, it, it's going to be a... A very contentious topic uh, this this time as well. What to do with the women? I thought I saw the Observer. Uh, Dave mentioned, you know, what do you do with Renee Young? Renee Young is one of their main announcers right now. Hmm, she's probably not coming over, right? Like, I I don't think they've changed their stance. Oh, all she's that much probably she's probably that. not calling the show. I mean, no, God no. Um, and very quickly, I know you don't want me to do this. Renee Young stinks. Someone someone no, has to say right. she stinks. Um, oh, she's, she's she's no better than anyone else they've had in that third chair. Um, yeah, exactly. That's what she she contributes nothing. She adds nothing to the broadcast. Okay. Oh. She adds nothing. Now, she was. <laughs> he really wants to win here. Yeah. <laughs> like just like it's like a yeah it's just like a drawstring where it's just like generic and and for what it's worth I, that that job is horrible. It's that job is awful. No one's good at the good third at chair because Vince McMahon's screaming at you the entire time and it's and you're the third chair. All you're doing. D- d- right. Who has ever been good at that? David Otunga never spoke. Um. Yeah, he had the best idea. It was just like, you know, I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm just not going to say shit. Percy Watson, he's getting a little better. He does a little heel-face interplay with Nigel. I guess he's the best one, but he's not good. Um, Jonathan Coachman was actively bad and took away from the show. So from that that aspect, I think she might be an improvement, even though she's just nothing. Yes, not actively detracting is going to be an improvement over uh, – Coachman. Uh, o- over yeah. Coachman. So I think she's better than Coachman, but I mean, Jesus, that's a pretty She's low better bar. than Coachman, and she's better than she was the first time around. She was horrendous the first time around. Now she just... Oh, those NXT. Oh, the NXT run. Oh, now boy. she just kind of sucks. You know what I mean? She's not horrendous. She just, like, contributes nothing. She's Rich Bocini on MLW. She contributes nothing. She doesn't really take away. Like, the first run, she was bad and it took away. This run, she's just there. She's another third chair that contributes nothing and takes away nothing. All right. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about with the Saudi show here real quick. Uh, Kane, this is kind of an interesting thing. This is from The Observer this week. Because uh, Kane is, uh, as you probably know, the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. And it's a little weird that the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee, is getting paid to work on a show in Saudi Arabia. And I imagine, I don't know exactly uh, Kane's political stances and, and, and thoughts. But I imagine they're probably a little bit divergent from what the Saudi princes think. 
Uh, but yeah, this is in the Observer here. It says, uh, while political opponents would likely argue it's a bad look for Glenn Jacobs, the Knox County mayor, to appear on a show in Saudi Arabia given the human rights issues and treatment of women, WWE made a big public political donation at the request of Jacobs that would at least attempt to smooth over, uh, smooth it over to the public. So WWE basically cut a check that they're going to give the next time there is a house show in Knoxville, a big oversized novelty check they're going to hand to the community of Knoxville, Tennessee to say thank you, or, or Knox County, I should say. Uh, to say thank you for letting us use your mayor on our Saudi paid show. So, uh, interesting, <laughs> to say the least, what's going on here. And Kane, again, that check must be great, because he's going to say, ah, fuck it, I'm already the mayor, who gives a shit? Cut that check, baby, let's go. So, it's, uh, wrestlers, they have one ambition in life, and that's make the money. So, go them. I, I don't I don't begrudge any of them. I don't care what the hell you're doing. Get that money. So, um, Dude, Also on, on the event, uh, the Saudi show. It, it's Knox County, Tennessee. How many people in Knox County, Tennessee, are that tuned in to what's going on in Saudi Arabia? I'm sure nobody. I, I think like the idea would be that just like his the guys that he runs again the next time will say, "Ah, oh, this guy works for the Saudis," and everybody will, you know what I mean, like that sort of thing. I'm sure there'll be a political hit ad in the next election. How many? That's like Kane taking a picture with some Saudi prince, and it's like, you know, I'm, you're, you're, you have to get to the lowest common denominator here to try to. Th- I mean, those little. You, you, we're dealing with it right now in election season here where it's like, did you know? It's like yeah. these guys that live down the block from me. It's like, did you know he harbors, you know, child rapists in his basement? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that's true. Like, is that really accurate? It's like, well, how can he be your comptroller? And I'm like, oh, geez, like that's what we're doing for the comptroller? Like, we're getting a little dirty here for just like the guy who, you know, looks over the books. Like, it's not that big of a deal, guys. Like, I, I just think that, I, I don't know. How many people in Knox County, Tennessee are extremely online and paying close attention to the atrocities being committed in Saudi Arabia, and they're going to tie that to... I mean, how many people... Didn't he win this vote, like, 900 to 800? I mean... It, yeah, I don't think there's that many people. Who gives a shit? Said, I mean, WWE thought enough of it to cut a check. Or, or at least Jacobs thought enough of it that he said, hey, if I'm going to do this, you have to give a donation. Now, look, so, I get it if he was, like, um, a governor or a representative, a state representative, or a senator. I mean, he's he's... He's the, what is he? He's the mayor of a, how does a county even have a mayor? I mean, I don't even understand that. I was one of that You know too, why? Yeah. It's because nobody <laughs> lives in Knox County and you, you're not going to have mayors in these little shitty towns that have 88 people in them. So there's just one mayor that oversees the tiny county. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's. I think there's there, there's a fair amount of uh, you know Islamophobia as well that I think might play a part in this too, and I, I don't know the the demographics of Knox County, Tennessee. But wouldn't that work? And it uh, wouldn't that be the opposite then? And it would work in well, I guess you're right. It would work against them because they're like, why are you friends with these people who are gonna exactly? Because he's gonna do some because the princes are gonna want some photo op, and it's gonna be you know Kane shaking hands with you know the Saudi prince and his son or whatever. And that is going to be seen, you know, on political yes. ads. It's like, is this who we want representing us in Knox County? A man who works with terrorists. Right. Like, right, you know what right, I mean? Like, right. that, that's what it's going to be. I mean, it, that, it, it, it's that sort oh, of Oh, so I'm looking like, at it from, lowest... I'm looking at it from, like, the human rights perspective. That people are going to be mad. No, I think it's just like, those guys don't look like us. They must gotcha. be bad. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And they are bad. I mean, to be fair, they are bad. But it's they're not, like, as you said, extremely online of, like, oh, there are women's you know, being murdered for the things they think, it'll just be like, ah, those guys don't look like us. They're, you know, really, like, there's probably better reasons for them to be upset, but the reasons they'll be upset is because they're, you know, Islam. You know, they're right. they're Muslims, and that's going to gotcha. be Gotcha, yeah, that makes more sense. That's what it is. Uh, September 17, 2018, uh, that's, of course, the uh, Saudi show. Uh, they uh, will have the first ever WWE World Cup, a tournament to determine, uh, to, quote, determine the best in the world, the WWE World Cup. Uh, hopefully it's similar to the Kuwaiti Cup. Do you remember the Kuwaiti Cup, Joe? That'd be a fun show to 
go back and rewatch those Kuwaiti Cup matches. I think Ahmed Johnson won the inaugural Kuwaiti Cup, if I remember correctly. So, uh, yeah, that's not the first time they've done Petros in uh, does that Braun, region, Does so. Braun still first... carry around his green Greatest Royal Rumble Championship belt? You know, I haven't Is seen it. Is it green? I think it was green, right? Carry around green? It. It, it was gaudy. I, I don't yeah, remember if it was green trees or not, on it or something. You're, you're... I... <laughs> oh, that's right. It was green. <laughs> Uh, and in a uh, what I'm sure is a complete coincidence, uh, a few days after WWE Crown Jewel, WWE Evolution, the all women's pay per view. Hey, women, yay! Uh, so far, Total we have announced the May Young Classic tournament. <laughs> I, this as was you. sometimes they just fall into stuff. They just the you know oh my god, it's so weird. We just had a women's pay per view uh, five days before or five days after this this crown jewel thing oh my god what a coincidence just Great. as renee That's young so becoming the third chair was a total coincidence to just it's just right a oh my funny god. how that it's felt just how they get yeah. yeah renee young renee becomes the announcer and then that week they announce that they're going to they're going back to saudi arabia it's just the things this you know when it, when it, when you're lucky you're lucky and it's so good that you know any questions about you know their their inclusion of women at the saudi show will be answered uh five days later when they have an all-women's pay-per-view in nassau Calcium, the hotbed, of course. <laughs> Long Island, where, you know, for women's wrestling is king. Um, May on Classic Tournament Final, I will not name the names because people will get upset because those are spoilers. Uh, then you have Alexa Bliss versus Trish Stratus, Lita versus Mickey James, and a bunch of other rumored matches as well. But, uh, yeah, so that's WWE Evolution. Uh, that just conveniently happens a few days after uh, the Saudi show. So, there you go. That's over WWE. Can we talk about stuff that's not WWE? Now? It's not going to get any better, though, unfortunately. I know that's the problem. Well, actually, before we do that, do you want to uh, let the folks know about uh, our uh, Patreon? Oh yes, sure. Um, let me pull that up. Um, okay, so oh, you changed this read. I was ready to do the usual, but this is- <laughs> no, I, I got rid of the question, Joe, because you said uh, I believe two and a half months ago that you would change the read, yeah. and it never happened. And I, I thought it was, it, it was. I don't know if it was a, a fun joke or an old joke or whatnot, but yeah, the read has been. This uh, isn't before. nearly as awkward though discussing it like this as it would be just answering <laughs> right. the dopey question uh so let's plug no joe i'm not a subscriber oh wait okay so let's ask. plug the voices of wrestling.com slash amazon and of course was that am i not supposed to read this part you were supposed to read that part that was more me uh typing that oh so this was you kicking that. it to yeah. me yeah exactly that's all right we offer the most affordable biggest <laughs> <laughs> well now i'm just reading it and you're laughing no i'm done i'm done <clears throat> We offer the most affordable, biggest bang-for-your-buck premium subscription in the industry. Tiers start at only $2, which is basically free, and just $5 per month gives you access to our entire archive and everything we do, including the Overrun, our flagship extension that guarantees that we will never run out of time again. Joe and Rich recommend matches to each other, arguably our most popular bonus show, where we get a chance to stretch our legs, get away from current events, step back in time, and break down wrestling from the past. Subscriber-only anything-goes Q&A mailbags. Twice weekly TV reviews. Every Monday and Thursday, Joe breaks down the latest in TV wrestling. Special editions of Bouncing Around Japan and Bouncing Around the Indies. Rich's Squashing Buttons live video game gimmick. Joe's NFL Intelligentsia podcast. And eventually, one of these days, the return of Lance Unfiltered, the greatest three-episode run in podcasting history. If you listen to the flagship every week, there's no reason not to subscribe for the bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash wrestling. Find the tier that works best for you and subscribe today. So, we should talk about New Japan now. And the second and third mediocre show, major show, that we watched this week. And we will start with Destruction in 
Hiroshima? Hiroshima? <laughs> we have never found out. And I don't want to. No, find it's it. now a bit. And yeah. uh, we will never have the correct answer. This was the epitome of a one match show. The undercard was dry as a bone. Again, very similar, I guess, to Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank. Uh, Hell in a Cell. In that, look, I don't think anything was bad on this undercard. It all just existed. And I guess the only match of note that we should make reference to is the uh, Bullet Club OG of Tamatanga, Tangaloa, and Tajiri. Uh, Tajiri. I am awful at this tonight. Uh, <laughs> I was like, whoa, I missed a lot in this undercard. But speaking of which, if you want to watch good wrestling, go watch Tajiri versus Buffalo from uh, from the 912 All Japan show. I'm not kidding. I'm not doing shtick. Excellent match. And you know I'm not high on modern Tajiri. I think Tajiri's washed up. I think he stinks. He was great in this match. Buffalo, the three times a year that I watch him, is always great. And Tajiri versus Buffalo for the Geora TV title in All Japan this week was fantastic. I think it's the 912 show if you're looking for it on your All Japan TV. But anyway, this was... There you go. So we had to go to... I had to go to Wrestle 1 and you had to go to Buffalo to Jury to find something good this week in pro wrestling. So there Correct. you go. Uh, you never know where you're going to find I it. I also hear the All Japan and show was excellent. I haven't watched it yet. They're in the middle of the world. Yeah, that's what everybody told us. When I said, I hate wrestling right now, everyone said to watch that. I have not had a chance to watch it because I was too busy wasting my time with these mediocre shows. So the, that's, I do want to check it they're out. In the, they're in the middle of the Royal Road Tournament. So uh, that always has some decent stuff. But uh, yeah, so the Bullet Club did retain... The uh, never open weight six man tag team titles over Juice Robinson, David Finley, and, and, and Taguchi. The rest of this show was a bunch of tags, uh, a bunch of average tags that, um, you know, we're not going to waste time breaking down. Let's get right to the main event, which was Kenny Omega and Tomohiro Ishii for the IWGP heavyweight title. I've seen mixed reviews on this. I love this match. I thought this was the best match I saw this week by far. Not that it had a bunch of stiff competition. I thought it was worked with a sense of urgency. Uh, I thought that Kenny Omega worked this. Uh, with the idea that Tomohiro Ishii has been a tough opponent for him, an opponent that has defeated him uh, in recent years in matches. And he went right for the kill. He went to a tremendous uh, spot outside the ring, putting Tajiri. Uh, uh, Tajiri. Jeez. <laughs> right, that's it for us today, Joe. You go yeah. home. <laughs> I mean, putting Ishii through the table and then, you know, trying to get the count out win to try to put him away in that fashion. Yeah. He went for the one-winged angel earlier in this match, and he's gone for it, uh, uh, you know, before. And then, of course, uh, they had a great closing stretch. I loved Ishii doing the uh, his own version of the V-trigger uh, to Kenny Omega. I thought that was cool. And, uh, look, this wasn't their best match. They've had better matches than this. I still thought it was a great match. Uh, you know, it'd probably be their third or fourth best match that they've had with each other. But I really enjoyed this. I don't think it was as good as Ishii's title challenge of Naito either. Um, in his only other previous IWGP heavyweight uh, challenge. But I thought this was an excellent match. I fall on the side that this match fucking ruled. I thought there was a lot of cool spots here. I thought they, uh, uh, Kenny in particular, again, I thought it was worked with a sense of urgency, which was great storytelling considering their history. And uh, I enjoyed the fuck out of it. And I like that Omega put away Ishii definitively. They didn't go through a really crazy closing stretch of a million kickouts. Omega hit the one-wing angel after, uh, uh, you know, uh, reversing a brain buster. He tried to use Ishii's brain buster on him, then he got out of a brain buster. He hit the one-wing angel, and that was it. You know, Ishii uh, exhibited some fighting spirit a little earlier in the match, and he did not kick out of a one-winged angel. What did you think of the match? 
Yeah, so I thought the first, my, my, my big criticism with the match is like the first 20 minutes or so, I just, I, yeah, there was an urgency to it. There was some stuff going on. I just didn't really feel it as much in, in that first 20 minutes. And, and that kind of stunk because it was a match that I was really looking forward to because these dudes are just incredible when they're together. But it all changed about 10 minutes left in the match where Tomohiro Ishii, and I remember the exact spot where it happened. They're on the top rope, but Tomohiro Ishii hits this like picture-perfect Hurricane Rana, like just an amazing-looking Hurricane Rana, which you never would assume that Tomohiro Ishii would hit a perfect one. And then he just went to work. This was Tomohiro Ishii sort of hulking up in the sense and 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 and, and getting you know sort of the momentum back because Omega had really kind of dominated him a little bit. And I I had said you know earlier in the show that when when I was mentioning WWE how that sort of match style I don't really love it that much when WWE does it because it's sort of the same thing where, where the, the, you know, the, the one guy beats on the one guy, the one guy gets to come back and then gets the win. Well, this you sort of knew that Tomori Ishii was probably not going to get this win, but you were living and dying by his comeback. You wanted nothing more than to see him come back because then he hits this Hurricane Rana. He hits a head, buddy. He's kicking out at one. He's throwing drop kicks. He's throwing one wing angel. He's just, he's doing everything. I mean, he didn't hit one wing angel. I forget. <laughs> you know, he's hitting V triggers. He's, he's doing, I mean, Tomori Ishii is just doing everything he can to stay alive in this match. And, and you always say he's one of those guys that you just love to see and you love to root for him. And this is one of those matches where, where I got sucked up into that Ishii Vortex, as I like to say, where where you know that he's not going to win, but I don't know. Like, he's really doing a lot here. Like, he, maybe he does win. And he hits a V-trigger and gets a, a, a near fall. And the crowd just loses their mind uh, for Tomori Ishii's comeback. So I really love that part. And I thought the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the match were incredible and really helped it a lot for me. I did not like the first half or so of the match, but then the last 15 or so minutes absolutely delivered and were really great. And... And yeah, I, all in all, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think these two dudes have had better matches together. Many, many ones that are probably better than this one. Even one, you know, at the G1, I think I liked more uh, than this match. But I thought this was still pretty spectacular. And and I mean, Jesus Christ, one of the best matches I've seen this entire week. Because there's not a lot of other great stuff uh, going on this week. But I thought really good. And I thought a lot of this was Tomoro Ishii being as great as he is. Because I think he really made this match uh, that much more special. Oh, this was easily the best match I saw this week. I mean, I you know, I don't I don't think anything else. What would even what would even come close? I mean, I don't I don't unless you you're gonna surprise me and, and you love something else. I mean, I I you know this was the best match I saw this week by far. Um, the Hiroshima show was not good. You know the rest of this show. Uh, the only other finish of note: Killer Elite Squad, as expected, defeated Michael Elgin and Ayato Yoshida. The only reason that was a finish of note is because Killer Elite Squad had a slightly bigger match on the Bipu show, uh, where they faced Best Friends and then won that match too. So it seems as though they're getting pushed again possibly to be the next title challengers after whatever happens between the Bucks and Gorillas of Destiny. We'll have to see. But the rest of the undercard, look, it was fine. Again, I didn't think there were bad matches on this show. It was just boring. It was just boring show. And I thought Bipu, um, you know, it was much of the same on the undercard. I mean, What's the correct way to pronounce it? Because I saw that being a big uh, point of contention. I don't know how to properly pronounce it. I think I said Bipu. Is that the right way Bepu, to say it? It's maybe. I... Okay. Is this one of those things where we ask and then we get six different answers ah, that we don't who knows? know? I'm going to keep saying Bipu because... Okay, because Bipu is fun to say, so I was going to say Bipu say. too. And, so. Um, so that's what I'm going to go with. And that's not us being like... Because it, it's the same thing with the Hiroshima thing. Like We ask every single year. We ask Chris Charlton. We ask people that are... How do you pronounce this? And we get, oh, guys, it's definitely Hiroshima. And then the next person tweets, no, it's Hiroshima. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, then I don't fucking know, man. Like, two sources that I trust disagree on it. I have no fucking clue. And then we get six other people that all have differing views. And I think Bipu is probably the same way. Where, like, someone's going to say, oh, no, it's Bepu. And then someone's going to say, no, it's Bipu. And it's like, all right, I don't know fucking know, man. It's when you ask these open-ended questions and you get seven different answers that it's just like, all right, we're going to say whatever we want. Like, because we didn't. It's not like everybody told us it's one thing and we're just choosing to willingly ignore that. It's not Rich, we don't we pronounce anything weird. right. Who cares? Right. So I think it's at kind this of point, people we'll realize that we don't pronounce anything right. Um, 
you know, this, the, now the destruction in Bipu show, I have to tell you, this, I think, is the big, of big New Japan shows. I'm not talking about Corkins that had no good matches on them. I'm talking about major New Japan shows, the big shows. This was the least enjoyable of the modern New Japan era for me. I hated this show. The undercard had nothing. It was another dry, average, nothing undercard. And the top two matches, I hated one with a passion. And the other was just boring as fuck. And maybe, maybe my least favorite main event of the New Japan modern era. The uh, Naito-Suzuki match was so fucking boring. Um, I wasn't into the match, you know, before it happened. I didn't see a need for it. I think it was just a match to fill this little building. Um, And I think they accomplished that, so good for them. But I didn't want to see it. And the way the match turned out, they didn't do anything to make me excited about what for what I was watching, because this sucked. It was boring. It had no juice. It was dry. Um, There was, you know, there was just, it just, it was not a good match. I mean, it was a firmly a two and a half star match. Um, we, you know, I just, I just did not. I guess I'd have to go back to there was a Suzuki Mike Elgin main event, uh, maybe a year ago or whatever. That was a pretty horrible New Japan main event. And other than that, off the top of my head, maybe the other Naito Suzuki match, to be honest, would have to be on that list. Um, but when Suzuki doesn't land, he crash lands. I mean, it just, you know. When it doesn't work with him, it's just really fucking boring. And these two guys just don't work well together. They just don't work well together for whatever reason. They've had two cracks at it, and they've they've swung and missed both times. And this was just boring as fuck. And Naito's a guy who can lull you to sleep, and you think his matches are going to stink. And then, you know, he rallies, and the, you know, the matches all come together. And you go, oh, okay, I see what they were going for, and... But this never came together. And I just didn't like it. And Taichi Goto, I know you're really going to bury it. Oh, my God. I didn't like it either. I mean, I hated it, <sighs> honestly. But but it's a tricky match for me to, like, rate. Because while I didn't like anything they did, and it's not what I want to see in New Japan, I thought it was performed well. So from that aspect, Mike Spears coined this term. He calls it the Gentleman's Three. Well, you can respect what they did out there. And it's like, I, I give both of these matches like the gentleman's three. Like two and a half, three stars. I, you know, I, I, I can't call them horrible ma- matches, you know, but it's like, they weren't for me. I so can't. go ahead. You go ahead and bury <laughs> Taichi Goto. Oh, my God. That, ta- that Taichi Goto, that might be my least favorite match of the entire year. I might vote that my worst match of the year. because in, And we talk about this all the time at the end of the year when we're thinking about worst matches of the year. A truly bad match, I don't care about. You know what I mean? Like a real shitty piece of crap match between two people that are not good wrestlers. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I, I, I see it, and it just, I, I'm not that type of guy that thrives on, oh my god, this match was so bad, or whatever. There's fun bad, and then there's just, like, matches that are bad. But when you have a match where, where you know that these two guys are capable of doing better, when it's a match on a New Japan show, and there's there's heightened expectations, it's the same main event, it's for the Never Open Weight title, it's Roki Goto, it, it's Taichi, who I don't love, but can have good performances, and it's this, it's whatever the fuck this match was, 20 minutes of my life that I'm never, ever getting back. Joe, there's things I like in wrestling, and that's wrestling, and action, and emotion, and 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 this match had, every, it was the opposite of anything I ever want in wrestling. 
it was for people that haven't seen it and do not if you've never seen it don't fucking waste 20 minutes of your life you have i promise something better to do for 20 minutes it essentially was goto gets into the ring taichi slides out goto sits in the middle of the ring does the indian style pose sits there closes his eyes at one point taichi gets in the ring goto puts him against the ropes taichi slides out of the ring again goto sits in the middle of the ring taichi walks outside the ring then uh, i believe Kanemoro starts beating up Goto. Or yeah, Taichi gets in, tosses Goto to the outside. Kanemoro starts beating up Goto. Goto gets back in the ring. Taichi and Goto run into Red Shoes. El Desperado comes out. They beat up Goto. Then Taichi wins. I was suggesting wins. this was overbooked. That's it. <laughs> That's it. You know what you I mean? You forgot a key Red Shoes part. is down for eight Azuka minutes. Azuka came down too. And I, and I think, I think there yeah. was Oh a, yeah, Azuka I think came there was down. A... Oh, when Azuka came down, I fucking well, lost it. When I was, I'm like, you motherfucker, get the I think there was an, I think there was off. an audible groan from the crowd when he came down. Oh my god. I mean, if you like wrestling and your wrestling matches, if you like action, then you might not like this match. If you like guys standing and not doing anything, then you might love this match. I mean, if that's your, if your go-to is interference, ref bumps, and people standing and sitting, then you will love this match. If you like moves and action, then I don't think you're going to like it. And I certainly I, did not. I thought it was absolutely Okay, shit. I disagree from the standpoint of, I didn't, ex- this is kind of what I expect. This is Taichi. This is what he does. Um, so I kind of expected this. I didn't think they were going to go in there. But I didn't expect it in the summer main event of a title match. I get the, I get the Taichi is just going to do well, this. Well, here's, at, well, at I agree with you. Whatever, well, here's but... the problem. This is why I'm upset that he won the title. Because I don't want Taichi in this spot. If he wants to muck it up on the third match of the show, I, I don't have an issue with it. I do have an issue with it, like you're saying, in the semi-minute. I'd much rather have Goto go out there and have these, you know, matches where he bangs heads with guys and, 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 they, and you know, they kick each other's asses in that spot than Taichi mucking it up and hitting people with his mic stand and, and, and Azuka coming down with his iron glove. I, I, I have no interest in that. And I wrote that in the preview. I didn't want to see him win the match for that reason. Now we're going to have to endure a few more of these. I got news for you, Richie. We're not done with this. No, I know it's not. Going and this away. guy might hold the title to Wrestle Kingdom at this at this at this stage because we're that late in the year, and we might get a Wrestle Kingdom Taichi never title defense, which is which will be a fucking disaster. Um, I do not want. You want to put this guy in a tag team? I'll endure it. You want him to do this shit on the undercard and then fail in the occasional never title challenge? I fine. There have been times where he has entertained me and had good matches. He was on a nice little run there for a while, but this has set that completely back. This was shit. Now, I will say, this kept me more entertained than the main event did. Because with all of the bullshit run-ins and interference and and Western-style fucking wrestling that this brought to the table, it was more interesting than that boring-as-shit main event that I had to sit through. That... I never want to see those two guys wrestle ever. I never want to see Naito and Suzuki ever wrestle again. Ever. In my life. Yeah, I, I don't think I hated it nearly as much as you did, but I was when it was over, I was so glad it was over because it was. And I, I think the problem is, and we've talked about it a little bit on, on the show as well, I think I'm just kind of over Minoru Suzuki. You know, I just don't know if I like that style. There's certain times where, where that style of match has worked. I think with the Okada match it worked, with Tanahashi it worked a little bit better because I think the crowd was invested in those guys and invested in the comeback this crowd could not have given a single shit I think because they've seen it a lot of times or if they haven't seen it it just wasn't engaging it was essentially Minoru Suzuki doing the thing where he puts you know he's torturing guys for 30 minutes or whatnot and then the guy uh you know 
gets out of the, the hold and then hits their move and then wins. And it's like that, you know, we've seen that a few times this year. We've seen it a bunch from Minoru Suzuki. And it's kind yeah, of boring, saying, and, and Naito see, didn't, I didn't think, do a no, great Naito job of it didn't. either. Naito was not good it. in this match. And, and that's the thing. Naito sat in that hold and sat in that hold and sat in that hold. Okada, for what it was worth, was screaming and writhing in pain and couldn't wait to get out of that hold, and you thought Okada was oh my and god, dead, I, I, and that he couldn't. Okada was so much better in a similar spot uh, than Naito was here. I mean, Naito, I, I mean, unless you're a huge Naito super fan, I didn't care that he was getting his leg tortured. I didn't care. He didn't make me care. Didn't give a shit. And this didn't really come off like a Minoru Suzuki torture match to me, which is maybe why you just made that point. It didn't even come off like one of those matches to me. So, I mean, because it was boring and uncompelling, and neither guy made me give a shit. And, you know, I came in not caring about the match, so that may have influenced it for sure. But they didn't do a good job sucking me in at all because I just wanted it to be over because it was so boring. You know, and, 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 and Suzuki, look, he just had that match for his Goto at Wrestle Kingdom, which was, you know, it, it was all the way in January, and people are going to forget about it, but that was fucking awesome. And the first quarter of this year, he was a legitimate Wrestler of the Year candidate. And Oh, God, I remember that. Remember when that, that, we, that was that wasn't that long yet. ago, Rich. He was having now. great matches. No. And it all went downhill when he got in the ring with Naito. His year went down the fucking, just avalanched as soon as he got involved with Naito. These guys never need to be within 100 feet of each other again. It just doesn't work. The chemistry's not there. It doesn't work. And maybe it's the nature of Naito's gimmick where he don't give a shit about anything. And, you know, he just... So then why should I care that he's in a leg? It's like, I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. Um, I, I don't know. I don't have the answers. All I know is it sucked. And, and it was boring. It didn't even... It was just boring. That's worse than having it. If it was suck, I could sit here and make fun of it. It's just boring as shit. The thing for me, and, and I talk about it with WWE, is I hate the style of a guy gets beat down, guy gets beat down, guy gets beat down, guy hits move, guy wins. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, and that's what this was. Naito did nothing until he hit the Destino and then won. And it was like, oh, all right, cool. Like, you know, I don't, I don't care. Like, and it wasn't, it didn't feel like he was surviving. Finish it was very like flat. He just got no, out by the skin not. of his teeth. And, and, and it was, and the crowd didn't give a shit either. I mean, that's no. the thing is, even if it wasn't for you or I or whatever, the live audience was crickets during and this maybe, match. And maybe, and you know what? Maybe I'm giving them too. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit for working for the work because the work didn't win anyone over. And the story right. of the match didn't get over. I hate this match more now that I'm talking about it. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, I didn't hate it nearly as much as you. I thought it was fine and okay, but definitely another one that was like, when it was over, I'm good. And I never need to see this thing ever, ever again. And, and, and yeah, I just did not like the style of the match. I, I probably didn't hate it nearly as much as you because I saw it as some of uh, kind of the Minoru torture match. I was kind of over the Minoru torture match. You didn't even see it as that. You just saw it as a boring hold-based match or whatever, and I, I get why you would think that way. So well, I, I got to tell you, when, when he had these matches with Okada and Tanahashi, fans were screaming for those guys to get out of these holds. Yeah. And I hear all this talk about how Naito's the most popular wrestler in the world in New Japan uh, by far. No one's as popular. Why didn't anyone care that he was in this hold? I mean, you know, it's, is it the work or is it, is it something else? Because why what, didn't I hear fans screeching? Everyone tells me 90% of the fans are wearing these dopey LIJ shirts. Where were they then? Where were they? I didn't hear them screeching for this guy to survive. No one cared. Then he hits his dumb finisher and he leaves. I just, I hated this. And both of these guys can lay eggs. And they laid two of them together this year. 
All I know is Tanahashi and Okada have people into their Suzuki matches. Got to be fair here. We got to be fair here. You know, and, and, and th- th- that is the fact. Goto too. Very different kind of match though with Goto. That was more of a, I'm going to attempt to kill you. More than I'm going to attempt to break a limb. But I mean, you know, it just didn't work. And, and I think it has to fall on both guys. I didn't see the same kind of intensity from Suzuki. And I didn't see any kind of, you know, the work here from Naito didn't pull people into the match. So, you know, it, it's, it, they should be taking the task for it. This was a boring-ass main event. One of the five worst or three worst main events in modern New Japan history. In terms of, you know, it's boring as shit. And this show stunk. This was the worst show in Say from 2011 or 2012 on, this was the worst show New Japan's had. Major show. And I'm counting, I'm counting Tag League Finals. Because those shows at least had one or two matches you could sink your teeth. This had nothing. Everything, nothing was, everything was either average, bad, or fucking was boring as shit. Some other bad New Japan shows at least gave you one or two matches that you can get into to some extent. This stunk. Couldn't stand the show. Yeah, all right. Well, that's that was those two. So uh, we got Kobe now. Destruction and Kobe coming up this weekend. Uh, let's do a quick little preview of that. I think we'll start at the top. We got Tanahashi versus Okada, which should hopefully be better than the uh, prior main event and some of the other stuff we've seen uh, this weekend. This is, of course, for the Tokyo Dome IWGP Championship Challenge Rights Certificate. Uh, you took a little bit of issue before we kind of get to the other match on the show with Kenny Omega and Tanahashi essentially starting to cut promos already for Wrestle Kingdom on Twitter, uh, New Japan releasing press releases and stuff like that. Uh, does that a red herring, or were they already kind of getting their the cart before the horse and, and advertising Omega and Tanahashi uh, before Tanahashi has defeated Okada? Uh, to ensure that he's going to be in the Wrestle Kingdom main event. I saw you take some issue with that. What do you think of, of everything that was going yeah, on? Yeah, I mean, if, if look, if it's a red herring to throw people off the scent, that's one thing. But if Tanahashi wins this match and retains the case, can you at least wait until after this match to start building the next match? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I don't care about the content of the promos they're cutting on each other. That's what everybody's focusing on. I don't give a shit about that. Okay, I, I have no interest in that. My problem with this is... They're building a match that isn't even necessarily official yet. It's like, shouldn't Tanahashi be worried about Okada? Who, you know, has gotten the better of him. Who Tanahashi, Look, Tanahashi, the best he can do against this guy lately is a draw. Otherwise, he loses to him. Shouldn't he be worried about this guy taking his case? Rather than taking shots at Kenny Omega? I mean, so unless they're telling a, a story here of, of maybe... You know, the story is Tanahashi was too overconfident and Okada picked them off. Or, but I don't get the sense that they're doing that. I get the sense that, that Tanahashi is just going to win this match and retain the case. Because Jay, yeah, Jay White's the builds, not winning the, builds, the case. Let's be honest. Jay White might no, challenge. No, let's be honest. The builds kind of suck for this match. Yeah, it does. It does because they haven't built it. It, it. No, there hasn't been. There's been like Yoshihashi. Let, let's make fun of Yoshihashi in between these two guys. But I'm not feeling. I mean, the, of all. I mean, this is fucking Okada Tanahashi. And it's like poking fun at Tanahashi uh, at Yoshihashi and then Tanahashi saying Omega's you know cares too much about how good his matches are and it's like oh, okay you guys are having like uh, you know the next chapter in the greatest feud you know in modern wrestling like maybe let's talk about that a little bit it's this is a a weird weird build for this I forgot this match until we were doing the show until I was prepping for the show until I posted the uh, the preview uh, at voicewrestling.com 
I, I, for whatever reason, I, I guess I thought that this Okada Tanahashi was happening in another month. I forgot it was happening right now, right already we're having it. And I'm like, oh, okay, like, the builds kind of sucked, like, a lot. It's been kind of nothing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think, um, you know, it, it's, if, if you're giving away the finish, I mean, I think they got to be smarter than that. This is all very weird. Um, will there be egg on our face if Okada wins and they were just, th- but here's the thing, if Okada wins and they were just trying to throw us off the scent, what's the point? Why not just build this match and stop worrying about trying to be tricky? Right, exactly. Yeah, why, why, why build up a red herring when you just, yeah, just build the match? <laughs> like it's, you know, it's not they, they know how to do it. We've seen them do it for years and years and years. But what this has been a very, this weird, build has been so weird. I have no feel for this. And match Tanahashi's great and, at blurring the lines. We've seen him do it before, and he's great at working people and all that. But it, this is just so un Tanahashi like to put the cart before the horse and just and start building another match when there's a big one right in front of you that people should be, mm-hmm. you know, interested in uh, the outcome of, which I thought was a 50-50 outcome, but now I'm almost certain Tanahashi's going to win. So if Okada does win, they fooled me, and it worked. And I'll have a very different, you know, uh, well, a slightly different opinion of it next week or whatever. But Yeah, well, I don't think they've even done a good job of building Okada to say, hey, you're looking past me. Don't don't worry about Kenny Omega, worry about me. And and we haven't done that. Like, that has not been part of the build. It's been essentially Yoshihashi as uh, a upon or so you know what i mean like that's been the build it has not been because then if that's your idea because i'd be 100 percent into that if tanahashi's talking about omega talking about omega talking about omega and okada goes hey look you know i might be carrying around balloons and shit and, and being whatever i am but you got to beat me you know don't start worrying about wrestle kingdom yet you got to get through me and let's be honest you haven't been able to beat me you've been able to tie me but you haven't been able to beat me so that would have been an awesome but they haven't done that you know what i mean like that has not been part of the build that has not been the central focus of the build at all and that's to me, how you would do it, and they haven't. So it's been very strange. I don't know. Yeah, it just sucks. It just sucks. It's it's this weird work shoot bullshit. It's in and in this case, it's it annoys me because they're not building the match that's in front of us, which is what they should be doing. But uh, mm-hmm. that'll be the uh, Kobe Destruction Show, the third and final of the Kobe Show. Want to run down the card? Um, uh, yeah, real quickly, uh, th- some other stuff on here. Some notable matches. Kushida and Bushi, that's a uh, semifinal match for the uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship Tournament. Uh, you got LIJ, Naito, Sonata, and Evil versus Suzuki Gun, which is Minoru Suzuki, Zack Sabre Jr., and Taka Michinoku. Uh, you got Juice Robinson, David Finley, and Toa Hanare versus uh, uh, Jay White, Yoshihashi, and Will Ospreay. You have the best friends. This is a pretty fun match I'm looking forward to. Beretta and Chucky T, of course, uh, against Killer Elite Squad. Uh, you got Taguchi Japan, which is Togi Makabe, Hanma, Taguchi, and Yoshida versus Tenkozi, uh, Tenzan, and Kojima, Yuji Nagata, and Minabu Nakanishi. Uh, other tag match here, you got Jason Nolliger and Tiger Mask versus Kanemoro and Desperado. Uh, Shoto Amino and Ren Rita versus uh, Yo and Sho. Uh, and then Yota Shudu. Uh, I forget how to pronounce. How do you how do you pronounce Yota's Suji? Is it just Suji? Suji? Okay, I always, I always get that wrong. And then Yumura. Yumura. Suji and Yumura. Yeah, Yumura. I only asked you to do this, you yeah. would botch those. Yeah, I, I always I get those guys. You more I get right. There's too many U's in that. It's kind a of lot of vowels in the. You know, know what it is? Yeah, like it, it's like I think you more should trade some vowels for Suji's consonants, and then then their names would. Work <laughs> exactly. Better. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. It's like, you know who needs all those U's? Nobody needs that. But it's interesting. The uh, best friends KS. They already had a match in Bipu, and it was very average. Uh, it wasn't very good. The wrestling again. The thing about that for me is I want to see if they trade wins here. Or if KES just wins again and goes three and zero on the tour, which would indicate uh, to me a stronger, uh, you know, a, a, a push for them in terms of another title challenge. But if they trade wins and best friends wins, and it means they're really not doing anything with either one of them. Um, and then of course the junior title tournament kicks off with Kushida and Bushi. 
So I expect Kushida to win that, and I think we'll get a Kushida uh, Osprey final, and I'd be okay, I guess, with either one of those guys winning it, but I think that's the final we'll get. It's the final I want, too, because those guys always have great matches together. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.